Hello, and welcome to Media Evil, a medieval pop culture podcast, where we talk about how medieval and medieval-inspired movies, TV, and books depict the medieval world. What did they get right? What did they get wrong? And what do they tell us about how modern people see the medieval past? I'm Sarah F. Decker, a medieval historian, and today I'll be talking about the hotly anticipated Netflix Christmas movie, The Night Before Christmas, with Megan Griffin. Hi, Megan. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks so much for coming on. Uh, do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and why you were so excited to talk <laughs> about this movie with me? <laughs> I am not a medievalist person at all. I actually Googled this morning to see like what books I've actually read from the time because I know I had to take Brit Lit prior to, I think it's 1500 or something. And yeah, so I have read a few, but I am just... I love these ridiculous Christmas movies, and <laughs> I think the moment I saw this one announced, I sent it over to you and yeah. knew just based on the cover alone and how shiny the armor was, it's going to be amazing. It was going to oh, be so good. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a very shiny movie. <laughs> it is a very shiny movie. Like, there was one I almost paused to be like her teeth and lip gloss combination. It's just like the sun <laughs> or yeah. something. It's just <laughs> so bright. Yeah. And his armor, too. It's like, wow, you you did a heavy polishing job. Yes. Yes. Netflix has that good, good, shiny cleanness. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a brief recap. So Cole, a 14th century English knight, travels forward in time to 2019, where he meets Brooke, a teacher who has given up on true love. Brooke hits him with her car and assumes that he is now suffering from amnesia because he thinks he is a medieval knight. Therefore, as you always do with random men that clearly have mental health issues, she invites him to stay with her <laughs> while he regains his real memory. They fall deeply in love over the course of a week, as you do in this sort of Christmas movie. And yes. it turns out that falling in love was in fact Cole's true quest. He returns very briefly to 1334 before coming back to spend the rest of his life with Brooke in 2019. Brooke is Vanessa Hudgens. Mm -hmm. Cole is Josh Whitehouse, who has been thing in things, I think, but not in things I've actually seen. He's in, I think it's called Poldock or something like that, It's which has like, been highly recommended to me a few times, but I have not actually sat down to watch. Yeah, I, I've also heard good things about it, but yeah, I haven't seen it. Madison, Brooke's sister, is the only other person in this cast that I had heard of at all before, yes. who was Emmanuel Shrieky, who... I also have not actually seen in anything, but I feel like I've seen her in a lot of magazines. I will admit I've watched a lot of Entourage at one point in life. Okay. It was a very easy show to leave on, and I believe she played someone's girlfriend slash fiance. I don't know. But that's why, I, yeah, that's where I recognized her from. And, you know, she she's fine. Yeah. As an actor. Yeah. I get her confused with, there's another actress that, I, I swear every time, I, I always think it's the other person, and now I can't even remember... Um, Unreal, the star of Unreal. That's who I get her confused with, and I am yeah, totally blanking on her name. I, I don't have anything else to really say about the cast for this particular movie, since yeah, like no, I said, I've not heard of anyone else. I did take a look, and both a director and writer are also women. And hmm. I took a quick peek at the writer's Twitter, just because I, I don't know how sincere and like right that th they want these movies to be, or if they literally are just trying to is what we're doing, you know, talking about this is people poking fun at it, what they're looking for. And I think that that is the vibe that they've been going for based right. on what I saw, which makes me feel better. 
Yes, that definitely <laughs> makes me feel better about this movie. Because <laughs> the message that kind of comes through is like, oh no, it's this might be sincere. <laughs> great. The the politics of this movie, as we'll get into in yes. more detail, are questionable. That leads into the first main section, our enumeratio, which is kind of longer recap and more detailed discussion of the film. We open in Norwich, England on December 18th, 1334, as the title card ex- explains. <laughs> and we meet Cole and his brother Jeffrey, who is about to have his knighting ceremony. Yes, they're going to hunt Gwynifold, the the hawk. I don't think they know what hawking is. Actually, <laughs> no. no. <laughs> like they seem to I think that they're like is. following or hunting the hawk as opposed to I their guess. like hunting rabbits and then the hawk goes and like gets the rabbits for them is actually what oh. hawking is. Okay, yeah, I it's not explained either way. No. So, just that there's a game plan. We don't know what the game plan is, but there is a game plan based on the name. But if you're having a hawking competition, everyone should have their own hawk. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) That makes sense. As opposed to like, there's just like one hawk. Yeah. Like they, I mean, we're barely 30 seconds into this movie and he's like, so it's not Cedric or Hodgins. And I'm like, okay, this means something, right? No. (laughs) No. Absolutely not. Not at all. <laughs> we then cut back to 2019 or cut forward to 2019 <laughs> where we meet our other hero of this film, Brooke, who is a teacher. She's in her classroom and she's having this conversation with this student who I guess did very poorly on a test and ordinarily does very well. What does she teach? It said in some of the promotional materials that she teaches that she's a science teacher. Okay, but so I- that's okay. I don't think that is apparent at any point. Like maybe if you looked around the classroom really carefully, which I did not do, you'd be able to piece it together. But it never says anything about what she teaches now. Yeah. And it's not like if she was a history teacher, maybe more of that. Or I don't know, science, you could talk about time travel and black holes or things. I don't, something that just, there's nothing. She's just a general teacher. Which is what you have in high school. Yeah, I mean, she must have skills to be a high school teacher, but we have no idea what they are, and they are never relevant to anything yep. in this movie. They are not. <laughs> so she has this conversation with this student who apparently did poorly on her test because her boyfriend dumped her. Have been there. She has this whole conversation about her goals and how she should be focusing on her goals instead of on men and true love and this, like, you know, waiting for your prince is not a real thing. But every girl wants to be a princess. Yes. That I was like, well, okay. I mean, okay. I like this this message of, you know, it's not a you're in high school, get over it kind of message. It's a focus on your goals. Like, let's yeah. take it in this stride kind of rather than it didn't feel like she was talking down to her, even though she used yeah. weird language. <laughs> yeah. It's actually a really nice speech and a really nice message, which I feel like then just gets completely undermined oh. by the rest of this movie. <laughs> yes. Yes. In fact. <laughs> Back deep in the woods of Norwich. Before, we did have a lineup of the knights, and you and I talked about this briefly, but I want to read you the lineup of these knights. So we have Aldris Drake, Blake Keaton, Dalton Hurst, Marlo Walsh, Spalding Ramsey, (laughs) (laughs) Jeffrey Leon, whose full name is Jeffrey Alexander Edward Leon, and Cole... Leon, which is Cole Christopher Frederick Leon. So I'll talk more about names in a subsequent section, but all I'm going to say for now is that with the exception of Jeffrey, almost none of those sound in the slightest bit medieval, and most of them sound like either a lineup of uh, 
fraternity brothers who have probably been accused of sexual assault. Oh, yeah. With, like, a smattering of Harry Potter characters. Yes. It's like, <laughs> they're going deep undercover. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, those are some choices. <laughs> deep in the woods of Norwich, as the title card again explains to <laughs> us, Cole meets a crone. <laughs> This, this is a word that is harped upon throughout yes. this movie. M- my first thought was, God, I want that wig. Like, there, it is right? a shiny, silver, perfectly tousled. It's wonderful. And she's like, I want this wig. Yeah. And so I watched this movie actually with my parents, uh, who were not fans. <laughs> but my mother's comment was that her favorite thing about this movie was that it has more depictions of attractive and put together and positively depicted overall older women. Agreed. Than most movies. Yeah. So good for them. Yeah. So this crone, I guess, has nothing better to do with her life than to send knights on miscellaneous magical quests. And she meets this guy and like, he seems nice. I get like, you know, Cole, like he seems perfectly nice. Yeah. I guess. And her immediate thing is like, I think you need to open your heart and... So now I'm going to send you on this quest to do that. Yeah, like there's no indication that... So he became a knight six years ago, which we learn later. And it's not like we're told to become a knight, you have to do this one giant quest or like... Which isn't a thing. No, or like <laughs> that this... And this didn't open with him like heartbroken over someone. Like it opened up with him and his brother being jolly. So it's like this is even more out of the blue for everybody not just him we're just like okay cool yeah she makes it sound like there's this big problem with him and the way he's living his life which there is no evidence for yeah exactly it's very weird she gives him some magic medallion and he disappears and arrives in the future his horse sherwin who is sadly left in the past just takes the fuck off because he is clearly just not on board (laughs) with the situation which is fair I do really love his relationship with his horse. His relationship with his horse might actually be the relationship in this movie with the most actual chemistry. Yes, agreed. (laughs) Agreed. He arrives at this weird Christmas village situation, which this sort of movie seems to think very deeply is a thing. So I live in New York and there are a ton of holiday festivals Like, you go to any park, there's going to be these big holiday festivals. So it wasn't too weird to see one, but this one is so themed and has cosplayers and everything. And and that that was a little weird. And, and, And you can just walk into it. I feel like most of the time when you've got this kind of interaction, it's going to be ticketed and be costly and, you know, yeah, overbearing. And this just seems to be the center of town. It especially seems odd because this does not seem like an especially large town. No, no. And so who is the anticipated audience for this? Do they think people are coming to Bracebridge, Ohio to go to this? As you <laughs> said, it doesn't seem like they're charging admission and it seems yeah. like it must cost a huge amount of money. Who's paying for it? Yeah, it's a I find little it very weird. out there. Some people see Cole and assume that he's part of the festival and take a selfie with him. He is very chill about cell phones and cell phone cameras. Yeah, like, so it hit me, I don't know, were mirrors a thing in medieval times? Yeah, people would have had mirrors, so okay. I guess he knows what a mirror is. Well, I, I guess because, like, they're showing him looking at the camera and I'm like, do you know what you look like? You know, or would this be... I mean, obviously the whole time he should just be yelling witchcraft, but it still was what a moment of like, 
to you know you're looking at yourself kind of thing yeah i mean so i think he would get that that it's something like a mirror because by okay. the 14th century they would have had mirrors but it's still i think like i think it still would have been surprising and a little weird i mean the quality of mirrors is honestly probably not as good as the quality right. of a cell phone camera right and so his reflection would have been clearer and sharper probably than he had seen it before yeah and it's also like they're doing something with it and like it flashes and yeah that would have been like a camera flash i mean my like my phone i got it this year and it has the night camera so good i never need flash Mm -hmm. like i was trying to take pictures of uh, penn station had a power outage and i'm like trying to take pictures to show how creepy and like post-apocalyptic it looked a few Uh a couple months ago and i'm like my damn camera's too good (laughs) (laughs) it's like it doesn't look that bad on camera right (laughs) night cameras so difficult (laughs) brooke is at this festival with her niece who is i think named claire yes and claire goes and asks santa among other she asks for a puppy and then among other things she also asks can you bring my aunt brooke a new boyfriend someone really nice who won't cheat on her (laughs) i do appreciate that because this happens all the time in these christmas movies where can you bring me a new dad can you bring my mom a new so-and-so and And Mm -hmm. kids don't do that no kid is going to ask they may ask for like a new dad or something, but they're not gonna be like, can you bring my mom something? This one at least had the boyfriend walked by. So at least it could have yeah. been on Claire's mind and is a little less out of the blue. And yeah, almost feels like a joke rather than a sincere Christmas wish. True. But all of her wishes come true. <laughs> oh, Christmas that Christmas magic. magic. <laughs> Cole sees an airplane, which he describes as a flying steel dragon. Yes. <laughs> Because, of course, he thinks dragons are real. Because, of course, everybody in the Middle Ages just thinks dragons are real. It's fine. Of course. Of course. The plane seems like it's flying really low, too. Yeah. It And it also... I, I watched this two and a half times. And I still can't figure out. Because it, it kind of goes down and then back up. I can't figure out. Because it's like, maybe it's taking off or landing. But it does such a weird movement that I'm like, nope. This just feels like you're hitting turbulence. And that is really low. Really, really low. Yeah, and especially because I kind of can't believe that this city is, this town is that near an airport, or at least not like a major airport. Not an airport that's going to have a commercial jet. Right, exactly, which is clearly what this is. So they're at this village and, uh, you know, they kind of sort of cross paths briefly, but then, you know, she's driving through the snow and hits him with her car. Yeah, the snowstorm that she shouldn't be driving in, where is she driving from? I guess she dropped off Claire. No, her mom came to get her. I guess she I was know. at the it's Christmas just, village and now is driving home. Yeah. It's just like a random snow pop-up. Like, yeah. There's no way this town's that big enough that the snowstorm just kind of came out of nowhere. It's very weird. It's probably more Christmas magic. Oh, yes. So she hits it with her car. Since he's wearing armor, it apparently does not even get dented when it gets hit by a car. Yeah. This super authentic armor that they talk about is so shiny and no dents. Yeah. Not even so shiny, crack. yeah, no dents. It's not the worst I've seen in terms of uh, attempts to make 14th century armor in terms of the style, but it's just okay. too nice for somebody yeah. of his stature. Like, it's the kind of armor that the king would wear for ceremonial occasions. Yeah, it's definitely not someone who's been a knight for six years and, like, in yeah. the woods. Right, exactly. Know? Like, this is not functional armor for a working knight, essentially. Right. That part is... Not not entirely working. And also, like, armor has various purposes that it is made for. 
And it seems possible to me that if you were wearing armor and got hit by a car, you would be in much better shape than if you got hit by a car and weren't wearing armor. Yeah. But it's really not what armor is made for. No. No, I can't imagine. the fact that he clearly, like, doesn't even have a bruise and that the armor is also not even dented does not seem super likely to me. He's also not wearing a helmet. Like, he just kind of has the chainmail top. Like, you would still hit your head. I mean, it is because of the snow. There's no way she's driving more than 20 miles an hour. But still... Yeah, but I guess that is why they assume that he could certainly have a concussion. Yeah, I mean, it's it's quite valid from their standpoint, him just to stand up and pop up and be like, look at the steed you have. <laughs> what village is this? Yeah, that's another thing that we like that the movie doesn't touch on. Not only does he travel in time, he travels in space. Yeah. England to Ohio. Yeah. I don't know why this baffled me so much because i love i love time travel romance stuff like i am very big into outlander but one Mm -hmm. of the defining factors of outlander is like you travel in time you are in the same space you end up in the same space in a different time so like in one of the books they're in america and her daughter comes through and it's like she has to travel now from scotland to America, and I like uh-huh. that aspect of it. Yeah. Not this whole, and suddenly I'm in Ohio. Right. And it's also a thing, I mean, there are various things that they get into that, you know, are obviously surprising to him about this world. The thing that he never seems to ask about is, like, where is Ohio? Yeah. Just like, so I'm not in England. Okay, how do you know you're not in England? Yeah, he's like, he should just be like, what's Ohio? And then there's never the explanation of like what the United States is or the fact that he's in a part of the world that he did not know existed. Yeah, especially he gets obsessed with Netflix movies. Well, I'm sure, yeah, right. But like the amount of history that's passed and how much reading he would like, it would be so much better for him just to sit down and understand like the progression of England and the fighting with France and Spain and everything and how that led to America. And yeah, <sighs> But instead, you know, we just accept that Ohio is a thing. Okay, Ohio, not England. Fine. Yeah, so it's a, it's a Seneca word, so it's a Native American word, so it's not even, like, English or French. Yeah. Right. I mean, so the fact that his response is not, what is Ohio? Yeah. A word that he has never heard before is not likely. That he's just like, oh, okay, yeah. I guess I'm not in England. I mean, you're not, but... It is also very nice. I mean, so it is also very nice, and I'll talk about this more later, that he is also just not surprised by, like, seeing black people, which... Yeah, no. Yeah, I understand why the movie made the decision not to get into very complicated racial dynamics, but... The fact that he's just like very chill about this black man who is, uh, he's a cop and he's, you know, so he's in like an authority position and he's just very chill about this is yeah. interesting. Yeah, it's, I, I appreciate the colorblindness of this movie. Yeah. And also sexist blindness, I guess. Yeah, which yeah. again, I understand why they went that direction. Yeah. But it's weird. Yeah. They take him to the hospital because they assume that he has a concussion and there's something horribly wrong with him understandably yeah and he i guess goes through an mri machine and describes it as your tube of torture which i feel like is not wrong to be honest no not at all yeah i went both ways on this and i feel like this is probably something that comes up in any medieval you know time travel thing he has no immune system for this world no and i'm also not convinced that our antibiotics would actually fight any diseases 
that he would bring. Right. And a hospital seems doubly dangerous for both of those aspects. Yeah, absolutely. That, yeah, he presumably, he very possibly is going to give, you know, it's like some person who's like has an autoimmune disease or something and like is not, does not have like a properly functioning immune system. He is clearly going to infect. Yeah. I mean, Uh, his nails alone. Yeah. Lovely. She decides to take him home with her to stay in her guest house, which is the dumbest decision. Yep any person has ever made. The only other option is that he could stay at the station until his memory comes back, which also seems like a bad idea. Right. I don't know where you would put someone who has no ID or money and thinks they're from a different time, but she did hit him with a car. (laughs) I I see why she feels guilty, but just, okay, you have this guy who like, clearly something is not quite right with him. Yes. And your response is, great, let me invite you into my home, as opposed to being worried he might murder her. Considering that the first, like, she's like, cool, hi, Cole. And he's like, it is Sir Cole. I was like, nope, I'm sorry. The first time you're, like, insisting on your title, you're out. Nope. I mean, I don't think I would let a random strange man stay in my home anyway, even if he wasn't claiming to be a medieval knight. I guess it's a good thing that it's a guest house instead of, like, her actual house. Yeah, but still. I mean, it's still her house, but, like, she can lock the door. Yes. The cop also is, like, very chill about the fact that he just, like, has a sword and is gonna keep Yeah. Yeah. Cole meets the radio in her car. (laughs) I love how you put that. To which he asks, where are the minstrels playing that lyrical melody? And apparently medieval knights are just like four-year-olds with no impulse control because he just starts like pressing buttons because like, what does this do? What does this do? I I would be the same way, but yeah, I feel like he would be more terrified. Right. And like, I don't think I'd do that if I ended up on a futuristic spaceship. No, that's very true. I, yeah. But I also feel like we have the common sense of button can be bad. Right. And like, I say he doesn't quite have that. But on the other hand, like, I don't know, it just seems odd that his that he's just not more wary. Yeah, like he's very childlike in a lot of ways. He's also fascinated by like comparing the car to a horse. Yes. Like the wheel is a rain. <laughs> yes. He like really gets into the like, okay, I get this horse. And it's like, do you? Yeah, let's, I don't think let's, you do. let's think for a minute. What, how do you gear shift on a horse? <laughs> Uh, he gets to her house, which he describes as a lovely manor. There is at least a throwaway line of um, that she inherited in this house. Because it yeah. is a really nice house. I mean, any house with a guest house, as I look at my 400 square feet. Uh, yeah, this house is wonderful. gigantic. It has a guest house. Yeah, I mean, you know, it is the Midwest. Obviously, the real estate prices are a bit less. But still, like, yeah. this is a massive house. And we also learned that her father was a cop. Yes likely dead because we don't have that confirmed quite yet and cop budgets aren't that great especially small town it's it's going to be better in the bigger city right so mom's making the big bucks yeah mom clearly must have been the breadwinner or they're like there's like family money going back generations yeah that may be also it because yeah who knows mom's grandfather was like a railroad magnate and they still have the money left over or something well it does feel like they're trying to build a netflix holiday cinema universe so maybe she's related to the princess swap 
people too. There you go. Maybe she's just actual royalty. Yeah. And he does call her, go into calling her Lady Brooke, I guess, based on the house. He assumes that she is of his class. He's never confused that there's not any servants or a master of the house or anything. Nope. There's a lot of things he's not confused about. I mean, like, yeah. the fact that she's wearing pants this entire time, as is almost yeah. every woman he sees, and he's never like, why are you wearing pants? That's men's clothing. Yeah. Also, I have no idea how corsets were definitely not a thing, but I guess, like, how covered were women back then? They could have potentially had, like, relatively low necklines. That okay. certainly would have been a possibility. Okay. And she actually, I think, is pretty covered up. Because it's winter, yes. It's winter. And also, yes. like, she seems to own an immense amount of turtlenecks, many of which have ruffles, which I don't <laughs> think work for anyone. It is a, um. a unique style, for sure. Oh, yes. So she's, like, pretty covered up overall. It's just, like, it's very much not the style of yes. medieval clothing. There would have been also a lot of full skirts, which, you know. Form-fitting. That's where I was trying to get to. Her clothes are very Yeah, things are a little too form-fitting, especially on the bottom. Yes. Very high waist accenting. Yeah, like, he's yeah. getting, like, a lot more, like, butt shots than yeah. he would have with women at the court. There actually are surprisingly a lot of butt shots. They do have a lot of her at this like right angle to make yeah. her ass just look great. Yeah. Which it does. Too, actually. Yeah. <laughs> he also meets the freezer, which he is deeply perplexed by. <laughs> of all things to be deeply perplexed by. Like, right, you know, like, electricity. They bring the cold of the outside inside. Yeah. I feel like there's probably some kind of like electric buzz that we all grow up with that would be just so confusing with them. And yet it's the freezer. Right. Yeah, it's the freezer is like the most upsetting thing. Yeah. And he also lets her know that he was knighted by King Edward III. Okay. I guess they're trying to figure out now what to do with him. So he takes a bath and starts kind of like wandering around basically half naked. So she also gets to like ogle him a little bit. I mean, I did appreciate the like wet chest shot, but also like that I think was the first point I threw up my hands and was like, oh, honestly, he would walk around naked. Like, right. you don't have right. to show him naked, but he would walk around naked. He would either walk around completely naked, this, like, towel thing is silly, or he would recognize that it was not appropriate to be completely nude in front of a woman of his own class. Sure. Oh, it is perfectly acceptable for me to, like, walk around, like, just shirtless in this manner is, like, not a thing that would have no. occurred to people. Also, the fact that he knows how to wrap a towel around his waist. Yeah, okay. Right. <laughs> I mean, I find that hard now, so, like... Exactly. (laughs) Brooke's ex-boyfriend apparently left so much clothing at her house that he can be now fully clothed. I mean, I do greatly appreciate the Christmas sweater that he's in. Right. I I guess it was, uh, you know, I guess it was last Christmas that he dumped her. It was after last Christmas that he dumped her. And did not want that sweater back, which is fair. Yeah. He then, I guess, decides that he's hungry, I guess. So he tries to light a fire... In her yard. Where did he get the wood? There's no explanation. There's no shot of something broken. No. There's not really any trees. I first thought it was the Christmas decor, and it's not. No. Because he destroys that later. (laughs) I also do appreciate, like, he's doing this. She's on the phone with her sister explaining what's going on. And she says something about his sword being a weapon. But it is said in such a way that I'm like, this is an innuendo, isn't it? (laughs) Right. (laughs) And it's simultaneously, like, it's innuendo, but it's also, like, but he does have an actual sword. Yeah. That is, like, which probably is dangerous. dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he has this fire, and he has also, 
with his sword trying to hunt a skunk. Yeah. Which is also, I mean, I guess he's desperate, but I think he would know that that's not actually how you hunt. I would hope. I mean, he doesn't have a bow and arrow, but that's really what you would want. I mean, you wouldn't actually, yeah, or setting a trap. Like, you wouldn't be chasing around a skunk with a sword. Like, (laughs) high up above your shoulder. Right. Like, it is also, like, that is one of the, like, various shots where it's also, like, nobody put a lot of effort into teaching this actor how to hold a sword. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, which I guess I understand because he's not doing a lot of, like, real combat with it, but... Not until, you know, the Christmas decorations become dangerous. Right. (laughs) So he tries to hunt this skunk, which she's like, no, you, you can't do this. And she takes him to a diner. Which is so awkward. Yeah. Like, it's a parade of all of the most awkward things that could happen, essentially. She asks what he wants to eat, and he says, dark bread, some, you know, boar, some porridge, something. And all I could think of is, modern food is going to destroy his stomach. Yes. The fact that he does not spend the next day of this movie just, like, taking a shit. (laughs) Maybe that's actually why he was up all night. Uh, as we'll get to watching yes. Netflix. <laughs> That's why the binge happened. Got it. Right. But yeah, so he has like two cheeseburgers or something. Yeah. Oh, and he's obsessed with hot chocolate. Yes. This is the like beginning of the hot chocolate light motif in this movie, <sighs> which is like so intense that it's like, did somebody pay them for this? You would think so, because there is a scene of them buying hot chocolate and yet. It is not a recognizable brand. Right. Like, is there, like, big hot cocoa out there who is, like... like <laughs> I like hot chocolate, but it's... I, yeah. I am so snobby about my hot chocolate. Like, it's got to be fancy. Like, I don't make it at home because I, it, it's got to be, like, Jacques Therese hot chocolate. Like, it's... Right. It's not... I, it's not something I just, like, ground drinking. Right. And I do get, like, he's never had chocolate before. Right. I do get that it would be an intense and special experience for him. But he keeps calling it mead, though. So much. Right. Yeah, which is so weird because it has nothing in common with mead except for the fact that they're both vaguely sweet. Yeah, it's not alcoholic, at least. I mean, I guess it could be. Right. It's not alcoholic, but also, like, the like the taste has nothing in common. <sighs> he orders another hamburger by yelling another one wench, which is bad. Yeah. I feel like that even would have been bad back then, but... Yeah. yeah, like, considering how much effort they go to to make it seem like he's this very nice and respectful person who goes out of his way to be very nice to this, like, random old woman that he meets in the woods. Yeah. It's a very weird choice to have him yell the another one wench at a server. Yeah. And not be somewhat more polite there. It just doesn't seem like it actually fits with what they're trying to do with his character. No, not at all. Brooke doesn't eat, apparently. She eats, like, one bite of her cheeseburger, and he's ordering another one. It's like, just take hers. Exactly. (laughs) And it's just very much this, like, okay, so, yeah, so you, I mean, it, you know, I mean, obviously there's the other trope of you have, like, super skinny women who, it's like, haha, it's so cute that I love eating because I'm tiny. Yep, I ordered a burger because I can and you won't judge me. Right, but it's also, like, I'm not sure it's better to have her order the burger and then just eat, like, two bites. Yeah. It's kind of gross. Cole tells Brooke that apparently there's this like woman Matilda that he's technically supposed to marry but he has to fulfill his quest which isn't a thing. Yeah like so he is technically betrothed? I guess. I do kind of feel bad for her now like. I mean I do too although honestly I'm betrothed and then my 
my like intended spouse just mysteriously disappears you know it happens they find you a different intended spouse that's true i guess they actually have a relationship yeah because my my thought was brooke can actually survive without a spouse like that's 2019 matilda probably needs a man just to you know yeah have any value in life oh my god that hurts but you're right they would have instantly been like all right well who's next on our list who can we marry you off to now yeah exactly and you know it it would have been worse if they'd actually been married because that would have put her in an awkward position of okay we don't know if he's dead or not and so can we kind of marry her to somebody because then it's kind of bigamy yeah or it might be because we don't know if he's alive or not so that would have been a problem but the like they're betrothed and then he just disappears it's basically fine they can really just marry her to somebody else yeah you're good matilda yeah Yeah. matilda will be fine (laughs) and then of course it turns out because it has to be this parade of awkwardness that her ex-boyfriend is in the same diner (sighs) with his new girlfriend who might be the person that he cheated with i guess that seems to be i think that's actually what she says but we don't get really anybody's backstory in any depth we have no idea how long they were dating we have no No. idea how serious it was he cheated we got that we don't know if he cheated once he never seems to notice that she's around or like there's no repercussions for him at all right you would think that he would be slightly awkward around her especially because it seems like her and her family practically like own the town yeah and everybody in the town is on her side and takes exactly yeah so like the fact that he just frolics. It's very weird. Yeah. Also, so there's another, like, there's a B-plot through all of this David, who's, like, a father with a bunch of yeah. kids, that, like, we meet when they're waiting for Santa. Does he work at this diner? Like, there's a long focus on the guy behind the counter. I mean, to be honest, there's also, like, six redheads, and I never could tell which one was actually the neighbor <laughs> or not. So I don't know if this is just, like, brunette, white guy blindness or if, like, this is his job. I think it might have been him because I think there was a reference at some point to the fact that he works multiple jobs because okay. he's the only poor person in town. That's right. Okay. Which is also not... I think they, like, vaguely make this reference to the fact that, like, he used to have money and he lost his money and his wife is dead. Yeah, I mean, I can understand medical bills. Like, I just right. upped my life insurance just in case because... Which my boss told me was ridiculous, but because of the health problems that I have... I don't want to leave anybody, you know, having to pay or having to, you know, go into massive debt because of my medical right. bills. So I could understand that. But again, nobody has a deep backstory here. There's right. just like vague money issues. Yeah. And so that whole situation is very weird and honestly gets weirder as we yes. go on with yeah. that particular guy. She keeps referring to her boyfriend as a douche, which is very much a like, I guess we can't use the word asshole in this movie. Yeah, yeah I guess. And, uh, you know, he does do the, like, oh, I should thank the douche for the garments he provided. He all, we get his name finally. It's James, which is more medieval than Cole. Than Cole. <laughs> <laughs> but also a good ex-boyfriend name because most James are douche. So yeah, fair. I'm good for it. <laughs> fair. So they go back home where they then find different Netflix Christmas movies to watch. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. <laughs> This movie is just Netflix advertising itself. But also trying to build a cinematic universe. I don't, like, that causes implosion, guys. Don't do this. And then how does Amazon fit into this universe? Because Alexa is there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's supposed to, he's, like, instructed to, like, ask Alexa for things. Like, I guess you can't use 
Googles. I don't want mine to go off. And <laughs> <laughs> because probably more money. And I guess like, oh, no, sorry, because you want it to have a lady's name or someone's name. And uh, so that he's you know, talking to Alexa so or like whatever. Lady Alexa. Yeah. Make one up. Right. It seems weird that they didn't do a fake one as opposed yeah. to the actual one. But yeah, because I, mean, I, I can see... I guess, yeah, it makes sense that Alexa might have been, like, cheaper than, like, Google or, like, Siri. Yeah, but... but it is also weird not just to make up your own. Yeah. It's also, like, really impressive that he figures out the remote so quickly and is, like, yes. fascinated, but also, again, very chill by t- about TV and not, yeah. like, what are the these moving pictures? Yeah. Where are the people? Like, the, the, the crone gave him some instructions and, in like, a box of Mary or make Mary box. I don't remember exactly what she uses. And he's like, oh, that's what this thing is. Cool. It's like, but, cool. It's the box that makes Mary. I was warmed about this. Yeah. I mean, entertainment plays, all that would have been a thing. So I guess, like, I just expected him to be up touching the screen or trying to, like, how do you make the people so small? Right. Or, yeah. Like, you know, where, where are the people? Yeah. There's no fascination. I mean, not even to – can Knights read? Was that a th- – like – was um, education by the 14th century he probably would have had like some basic literacy i would say because i mean obviously it's gonna be very different yeah but yeah i guess that was part of my question is because i i'm reading game of thrones at the same time and there's a guy that's in it and is going like i guess you know in his 40s or 50s or whatever is finally learning to read and i was like could knights like was that a thing or did they have someone read for them so just like that added later of like understanding a remote (laughs) right yeah how to pick things on netflix yeah i mean so it would depend on his family like it would depend on his family but it does seem plausible to me that he would be literate i mean the bigger problem is of course that they never get into is of course that as anyone who has read chaucer knows which is relatively close-ish to this time period middle english doesn't sound that much no like modern english yeah like when i read chaucer I had to read it out loud because I couldn't yeah. understand it otherwise. Yeah, exactly. It's quite noticeably different and it would be hard to puzzle out exactly what somebody speaking Middle English was saying. And I'm sure the same would be true in reverse. Right. Yeah, we just ignore all of that. <laughs> right. But it's okay also because he learns all of modern slang and how to do an American <laughs> accent. <laughs> I do appreciate that all modern slang gets done in American accent. Like I know, right? Just- Adding another layer of like, wow, Americans are low, right? Commonly, <laughs> not that he knows what Americans are. So, yeah, true. <laughs> so he like basically spends the entire night binge watching, <laughs> and has also put Alexa in the freezer as punishment. <laughs> I did appreciate that. There's a TV show called Evil, and one of the episodes uses like Alexas and, and like demons talking through Alexas, and I was like, yeah, no, I'm all for hiding Alexa, like. She yeah. is. She is an evil device. I yeah, say as, and... as I just got a Google Home. So <laughs> I'm always afraid I'm going to set off. <laughs> so. Brooke's sister comes over and she goes like really fast from why are you letting this crazy person in your house to who's the cutie? Let's give him some muffins. Here's like four bags of clothing for him from my boutique that I own. Yeah. Another like mysterious, how do these people make money? It would have made a little bit more sense if it was like a thrift shop or something, but. Right. Yeah. It's not. It is a boutique. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So she goes very quickly from like, I don't trust this person to let me do everything I can for you. And like, you're going to marry him, right? Yeah. It's, 
it's strange. Like, they keep talking about how wonderful he is and how awesome and chivalrous and everything. And I'm like, there's no real depth to figuring out him as a person. I don't know. There's no depth to anybody here. Yeah. And it's also, they skipped the part where he does anything especially nice. Or, well, they put it later, but they put it later after everybody likes him already. Yeah. It's not clear why everybody transitions from, like, I'm a little worried about this person I hope he's not going to snap and stab everyone. Like they go just very quickly with no apparent reason from that to this guy's amazing. There's not even like a vibe of where a lot of holiday movies where it's like you've been alone too long or you need someone to like, you just need someone in your life kind of thing or like you should be. No, there's, you know, ants are cool and her sister doesn't ever seem to push for, like, you should be dating, you should be trying to get over your ex. Right. In the beginning, like, there's no real reason for this sudden, like, this is the one. Yeah, it's very odd and out of nowhere. They go to buy a Christmas tree, which Cole (laughs) definitely remembers having in his time. I'll discuss that more later. (laughs) She talks about how her parents are both now dead, which at least sort of explains the house situation since i guess she inherited it she moved in to help take care of her mom from the sounds of it who was sick right which yeah would explain why she probably just stayed in the house yeah he tells her that he hasn't seen his parents since he was sent away to be a squire and also is just like very chill about he's like yeah i just like traveled in time and brooke's like that's not a thing and he's like no it's fine (laughs) you know the moon comes and goes and dies is what he says you know right it's you know a new day and if I'm in a new time and that's cool like it's fine that I traveled 700 years into the future yeah. to and to a different continent that I don't know exists it'd be one thing if he was like there are these stories you know these are the the folklore anything that's just like yeah I mean I'm not surprised because I've heard this my entire life but it's just like whatever oh right or it's also and I'll this is something I'll also talk about more later But it's also that the closest they could get to kind of making that make sense and have it be a real medieval mindset would be for him to be saying things like, oh, well, all all things are possible through God. Yeah, there is no It's fine. Jesus wants me to be here. Yeah. Yeah. He is the least religious medieval person ever. Like the fact that he's just not constantly praying away the witchcraft. He also, so he's there buying the tree. He does finally tell Brooke that she doesn't have to call him sir anymore. So that's something. Cool. So no longer a circle. Real progress. Yep. Real progress. (laughs) Right. Yes. It keeps sounding like they're saying circle. Yeah. Which is very irritating. Which should have been the clue that like this is not meant entirely as like sincere. But also I just couldn't tell. With some of the notes that they hit. I was also really just genuinely not sure how seriously we are supposed to take this. Yeah. They find a good tree, which he cuts down with one swoop of an axe. For him, this makes sense. But then there's this random middle-aged dude behind him who sees Cole do this. And then at this, like, you know, standard toxic masculinity display is like, well, if he can do it, so can I. (laughs) And the most surprising thing is that he can. So after watching this a few times, there is a guy in the background and he is chopping prior to that moment and so i do think like he got it prepped and then this was like the final hit but it is a weird thing that i had to like after i watched a few times i noticed it and Uh, also it was redhead number four like there are so many redheads if it's not her or her (laughs) sister it's a redhead right and only one of them is the one that she hates who we'll get to i think in a bit like 
unless it's her repeatedly but i mean it might be the same actress over and over again but i don't think it's supposed to be the same character yeah i just yeah then because apparently i guess brooks is not that bright she decides to let him drive her car i do appreciate that she asks like oh do you remember how to drive a car now but he's like yeah i can figure it out yeah i mean i wouldn't trust him especially when he starts hitting all the buttons no like yeah i don't think uninsured motor driver whatever covers that at all right i mean even if she is sure that he's not actually a time traveling medieval knight that doesn't mean that he remembers or for that matter ever learned how to drive yeah what like this is what day so the 18th he arrives the 19th they binge the entire day so this is like the 20th or the 21st so at most three days, four days, maybe. Yeah. Still not 100% sure he wouldn't just steal your car. Right. I wouldn't let anyone that I'd known for three days drive my yeah. car. Especially because it's a nice car. Like, Yeah. She somehow has money for that very nice car, too. Yeah. You know, it is what it is. <laughs> yep. Again, like, there's just these, like, things that he figures out that are very surprising. It's not surprising that he can't really drive the car or park. It is surprising that he figured out how to shift gears. It is. And... To figure out where he wanted to go. Right. I'm not sure that it would be intuitive if you'd never heard of a car before that if you like move it to R, that means reverse and you go backwards. Right. Like, I'm not sure that would immediately and that like D is dry. Like, I'm just not sure that these would immediately occur to you. I mean, he was watching so fascinating in the beginning. But again, like, I remember learning to drive a car. Yeah. Occasionally, I still have to remember. (laughs) It is neutral. Heart is reverse. Right. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't really make sense that he would figure it out that easily. Yeah. He drives into town. He he goes... I'm actually kind of missed why he's going to town. I guess he just felt like it. And then he, like, wanders over to the Christmas village. I think it's from, again, not my first watch, but after a few watches, I think he seems to think that his quest is going to take place at this Christmas fair right like that that is the center there's a lot of bits where he just keeps seeing random older women and being like hey old crone (laughs) (laughs) and it's the one it's i guess like the person who's playing santa and mrs claus at the village and the santa dude is like could you stop calling my wife an old crone i mean i like that guy's the hero of this like i truly appreciate him being like my dude stop (laughs) Like, this is kind of rude. And then he's, like, invents this mythology about, like, yes, an old crone. An old crone is a wise woman whose job it is to test knights. You know, it's not it's not an insult. It's not like I'm calling her a hag. Right. But it's also, like, this isn't a thing. No, it's not. Like, I googled the word crone. It's implied that it's a thin, ugly, like, old woman. Right. Or, you know... I could see the argument that it's not in a medieval context inherently insulting as opposed to a more normal thing to call an older woman. Yeah. But it also doesn't have all of these like weird connotations either. Yeah. Also, this is a time period of like super religion from what I understand and not mythos like this. Right. Like not that they, I mean, they can coexist to some extent. I mean, obviously, you know, Arthurian stuff is very popular at this time. True. But and Beowulf and yeah. Yeah, but those but those honestly like coalesce. I mean if you read so for example, like I recently reread Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, which is fifteenth century and mm-hmm. Arthurian, and it's a 
Arthur and they spend in every five minutes, they're like, oh, Jesus help, like, Jesus is helping me with this. Like, and I pray yeah. to my lady, the Virgin Mary. Like, it's all combined. And so the fact that he never refers to yeah. Christianity at all is odd. Yeah, like, Jesus sent me here, the, you know, the Virgin Mary at... Calling everybody Mary would have been a lot of fun, actually. I would but... have loved that if just every time he like saw some like random woman wearing blue because she's out the Virgin Mary is often yes. wearing blue in medieval painting. He just like throws himself to his knees and he's like, "My Lady Virgin." <laughs> actually, that would have made this better. That would have been another amazing been movie. <laughs> and I guess Brooke just shows up at some point. I guess um, the police officer, Officer Stevens, just called her at some point, being like. We found your car just like on the side of the road with the doors open. Yeah. Are you alive? Are you okay? (laughs) So she finds him and collects him. He he excuses his driving just utter fail by saying, I fear she's the loyal type who answers only to you. (laughs) You know, I started thinking like what would make this movie better and like a little bit more sense. And you just bought a car. Yep. Did you name your car? I thought about naming my car, and then I never actually came up with a name for it. But... Okay. I always named my cars. My last one that I just sold was Amelia because she's a fiery redhead. Mm-hmm. And uh, it would have been great if she had named her car Sherwin or something like that. Just that, like, smallest right. connection yeah. of, like, your steed, my steed, they're both named Sherwin. I think I would have actually just fallen in love with this movie in that case. I think that would have been <laughs> just... really fun. Yeah. I actually... I would like to name my car and specifically I would like to actually give my car a medieval name because I think that would be like a funny tension. So Can I recommend for you Blake Keaton? <laughs> I'm, just I'm sorry, Blake is like the most frat boy name on this list. And so I will really keep using it. <laughs> there was also a Dalton, wasn't there? Yes. Dalton Hurst, who definitely goes to Yale for like the fifth generation oh, yeah. and she takes him home and shows him a live stream of the Tower of London, and he comments on that there is an extraordinarily large number of prisoners. It's a weird thing to set up, of all the things, to be like, all right, like pull out history books, take them to the library, here's the history section. I mean, it's cool to show modern L- London, that I, I actually really do appreciate that. Yeah. But it's just a weird, like, I don't know, the day started, th- these are such, so he's got seven days or something, it starts on the 18th, yeah, a week. And it's always just like, a five-minute clip of a day. Just going to yeah. buy the tree. It's just watching the episodic. Tower of London. Yeah. And also implies that he must be spending 80% of his time watching Netflix. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what we all do. Come on. Yeah. I mean, you know, fair. He meets Claire, the niece, who asks him if girls can be knights. And he immediately says no. And then she, and then Brooke says yes. And he stops arguing very quickly, which I don't buy, which I don't buy but it's really very nice. It is nice, yeah. I, I think it's the look she gives him was very much like a don't argue this. Yeah. And again, you know, very, very nice that this medieval knight is in no way sexist. Yeah, it is. It very, is great. Yeah. Very nice of him. This is the moment, like, because they come over to help do the t- tree trimmings, or there's yeah. a word for this. Like, I, I don't know. We put up a Christmas tree. We don't make a big deal about it. And I'm there's Jewish. like, I definitely don't know what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had my first Hanukkah a few years ago. It was great. Oh. I'm very excited. I think I'm going to be home in time for it again. My my stepdad's girlfriend's family is Jewish, so. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah. yeah, this year so, I think so, uh, Hanukkah and Christmas coincide, so. Oh, good, good, because I'm going yeah. home, so hopefully I can 
go have fun with that again. It was it was great. Um, nice. But what I was saying is tree trimming. I think that's what it, fuck, I don't know what this is called. We called yeah. it putting up our tree, <laughs> but apparently there's a fancy term right. for this. And the mom or the older sister is holding this like big acorn ornament and talking about how this is the that her parents got this on their trip to I should have wrote down the country, but it's the country from the royal, the princess wedding, the Christmas yes. princess with the chick from iZombie, which started like the joke about the Netflix cinematic Christmas universe, like is in this one moment that everybody's yeah. just like, you've already got Vanessa Hutchins starring as twins and another one with like a sequel coming out of that. So is this right. like slowly making the fourth one? I don't know. Yeah. And this was, uh, we'll get to it, but this definitely, I think, was setting up a sequel. Oh, oh, definitely. But also, it, it her parents traveled, this country's in Europe somewhere. So, like, again, just setting up family money. Who knows what's going on here? Yeah. So they got this ornament. Vanessa Hudgens is wearing these plaid wide leg pants, which Vanessa Hudgens has a great body. And even her, like, these do not look good on anyone. I love these pants, but you're right. They don't. I love them because they're so comfortable and I always feel like I'm wearing pajamas. But yes. I mean, I could, I think they would be amazing pajamas. Like if I had pajamas in that pattern, I'd be really on board. Yes. But those don't even look that comfortable. Hers do tend to be like the tweed or like wool ones. Mine are all breezy. Yeah. I love, I love them. Yeah. <laughs> Sister is, uh, you know, being very optimistic about the fact that, you know, eventually he'll get his memory back and then we'll figure out he's just a medieval enthusiast. It works. And I Vanessa guess. Hudgens, meanwhile, is starting to slowly believe in time travel. But there's no explanation as to why. <laughs> nope. <laughs> She's just like, I don't know. He's, he seems into it. He, and yeah. I like him. So I guess this is a real thing, maybe. Who knows? It's not his, you know, potmarked face bad teeth we also definitely are increasingly really getting this sense of this idealization of medieval knights and knighthood where she's like oh we sure could use a lot more coals in the world it's like knights are like marauding yeah they're not necessarily good dudes like this man has killed people yeah and Honestly, likely for fun. Yeah. Again, I'm reading Game of Thrones currently, so all I can think of are the knights in the Game of Thrones world, and they're not good people. Right. And that's very much, you know, a you know an area where he drew on real depictions of medieval knights. I mean, for example, yeah. we have these uh, texts that are basically peasants writing to complain about how their local lords and the knights associated with that lord are like going to their farms and like trampling their crops and stabbing people for fun because they could right and that you would do that to and especially you know that you might also want to do that to the people who are the peasants associated with the lord next to you who you are having a feud with that you would go and attack their peasants in order to make a point about how they're incapable of protecting them i mean so like this is the kind of thing that like violence is his everyday way of being yeah and in this movie it's no being a knight is all about being very polite yeah it's about (laughs) taking care of the smaller people and that's not what being a knight is a knight nope took care of the king right and oppressed the lot of the smaller people so yeah he teaches Clara to sword fight, which, again, not very likely, but it's very nice. Yeah. He then, I guess, did not get sufficient exercise for that because he intensely spars with Brooke's Christmas decorations. It is the next day, to be fair. Okay, yes, that's the next day. <laughs> I guess it's like, okay, I got, like, a little practice in yesterday, but now I need to yeah. I, I need to fight the, like, 
glass deer or whatever it is. Not yeah. glass, the uh, the like light light up deer. And <laughs> then we get actual introduction of the redhead, who is a character more or less. It is Brooke's neighbor. Yeah. Yes. And it is implied that they've known each other probably most of their lives. Yep. She doesn't talk to Brooke. Like yeah. at all. Like all she the only conversation. She talks to and flirts with Cole. Yeah. Yeah. Which was hella weird. So weird. It's implied. So Brooke basically, Brooke basically calls her a slut. She doesn't use that word. Yeah. She uses the like Netflix, we're not cursing in this movie way of calling her, which is like, she's very much not a damsel in distress. And like, she is such a flirt. And it's implied that there's like some beef. And I'm like, and to which I'm almost wondering, like, are we going to find out that like the boyfriend cheated with this person? But we do not get that backstory. No. Like she was voted something flirt in high school and none of which is bad there's nothing wrong with this no the hostility really makes it seem like there had to have been some Some... like that there had to have been beef in some way yeah but we don't know what that is i almost want to read or find out if there was like an original script that so much got cut out of right but yeah again there's just so many backstories which are not here and also brooke just apparently like does not have female friends except for her sister so yeah she doesn't have female friends that are her are her age right she actually doesn't have any friends who are even approaching her age except for her sister yeah all of her friends are like her parents friends yeah (laughs) allison invites cole to go caroling with her and cole turns her down because he realizes that brooke will be very upset and very much kind of presents this idealistic version of, yes, knights, again, they, they would never cheat on their partners. Okay. <laughs> We're not talking about a period in which adultery is basically defined as something women do to men and not something that men could ever do to women. Yeah, and also, like, they're not an item, so it wouldn't have even been adultery, and I don't... Right. I don't. <laughs> the next chunk of the movie is then taken up with this really elaborate Christmas dinner which seems to be a thing that Brooke's parents started as a thing for their friends that Brooke then turned into this major charity event in their memory. Yeah, we never get like a standpoint of when her parents died other than like, it's been a while. It kind of still feels new in some parts, but then like the Christmas ornament where, you know, he pulls out a box and she, why pull the box out of the attic if it's your mother's things, but whatever. Right. And then, yeah, this it started as literally like a meal for those who had nowhere else to go, like a Friendsgiving almost. And now it's this big charity thing because as she says, Christmas is about giving back. It's not clear to me. I guess maybe they sell tickets and then donate the money to charity is the idea. Yeah. It's also, again, small town, like... How is this a thing? They're, at the actual event looks to be maybe 10 people. It doesn't... Right, unless this is like yeah. a $100 a plate dinner... Yeah. It's really not, I mean, you know, very nice, but like, it's honestly like considering how much food they buy is how much, like, is this really, like, what is this accomplishing? Yeah. It's a very weird, it looks smaller than what is implied. Right. She's also super patronizing to the one poor dude in town (laughs) about how it's so nice that you're still involved in charity and give back even though you're poor. Yeah, it's like everybody kind of knows that he's going through a hard time, but also like nobody knows that he's going through a hard time. Except that there's like, they kind of talk about it behind his back and make these weird patronizing comments to him. 
about like, oh, it's so good of you to do this. I mean, you especially. Yeah, it's so good of you to teach your children, you know, money is not everything because you don't have it. (laughs) Right. And then there's also just a lot of like the children being like, why can't we have presents this year? Yeah, it's also gloves. Yes, he can't afford to buy them gloves. Yeah, I just... Yeah, I mean, it's also just like very weird the extent to which like, they're sometimes presented as like basically like middle class and they've got debts and things aren't great. Yeah. And then sometimes it's like, I can't buy my children like appropriate winter clothing. I mean, I get kids grow fast and like the people that yeah. spend hundreds of dollars on shoes that your kid will literally only wear for five minutes. I've never right. understood that mindset. But I, I want to say this and I don't mean it patronizing. You can make gloves. You can also go to a thrift store. That too, yeah. Like, this is possible. I don't believe that this man cannot go to a thrift store and buy clothing to keep his children appropriately clothed in the winter and honestly probably put it on a credit card. Yeah. Worst comes to worst. Obviously not that that's, like, ideal to get in, like, more debt, but better than your children not having gloves. Helping charity is great, but instead of maybe, like, spending all this money to help charity... Buy your damn kids some winter clothes. Yeah, it's so weird. They go to the grocery store. Cole has a second really fancy coat, by the way. Yeah, I'm wondering if he's like, if they're basically taking these clothes from the shop and then putting them back on the mannequins or something. I don't know. That's what I'm, but like, does that mean he's wearing them with the tags? I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, she she can put new tags on it. It's, it's her boutique. True. But it's weird. Over the course of the like, of these several days, it seems like he's wearing like thousands of dollars of clothing, yeah. including, as I said, like two very nice wool coats. Yeah. He also has this like great maybe cashmere sweater that I coveted for a few minutes. And yeah, you know, and this is a guy who essentially wore rags. <laughs> Medieval clothes aren't I mean, the wool ones are probably great, but you don't need to put him in anything fancy. And I mean, you know, he's he's probably well off enough that he would have had like decent like wool linen clothing, but also like he would be fine with something a little less fancy. Like again, go to a thrift store. Yeah. I, I almost feel like he would be insulted because he talks about how his mother was a seamstress and made all of her his clothes and their clothes or whatever. I feel like he would almost be insulted by like the amount these clothes, unless he thinks that her sister's just making them. He wouldn't know how much they cost, but something like a good quality cloak in the Middle Ages is an extremely expensive garment. Like so yeah. so much that like this would be like a part of a woman's dowry and the expectation and like that is because it is an object of value. Good quality textiles are extremely expensive. And so the fact yeah. that and so it is actually weird that he never has a moment where he's like, this is like a lot. Yeah. Or even just like something about taking ownership and appreciating like having one good coat right rather than yeah. wearing multiple yeah i just right like somebody who's like a who's like a knight but he's like a knight relatively recently he doesn't seem to have come from like an especially well-off family i mean to make it make any sense i would say he really has to be like probably like minor nobility but like often yeah. minor nobility in the 14th century really don't have a lot of money i would say yeah. he probably has one good winter cloak yeah and so the idea that he's just like gifted to would seem very strange yeah they just really wanted the clothes budget. I get it. And he, he looks great. Like, they're very flattering yeah. coats. Yeah. He starts, like, eating bread in the grocery store. <laughs> the grocery store 
scene and then in its entirety is probably my favorite thing in this movie because it's like so we weird and farcical. The four year old's back where he starts like grabbing the big cans of hot chocolate and putting them in the cart. And she's like, we're not hunkering down for the winter. Like, you know, basically <laughs> take one. And she goes back to his list and the look he gives her as he's like putting them in the cart. <laughs> he's like, we are taking this. This is he's my one so true happiness. sulky about it. <laughs> but he takes them all and she's just like, fuck it, whatever, <laughs> fine. And he's doing the baddest, like, one by one, like, <laughs> like, it's very much just, like, petulant child. It's so yes. weird. It's so great. But yeah, so he, like, starts, like, eating bread in the grocery store and then comments on how, like, this bread is inferior and not sufficient, which he's not wrong yeah. about, like, random American, like, brioche rolls in a grocery store. Yeah. It's not the Hawaiian rolls. Yeah, right. He is apparently, therefore, an expert baker and uh, makes instead Yuletide bean bread and teaches her how to knead bread. I assume this is not a thing. Parts of it are a thing and parts of it aren't. So Yuletide bean bread is not coming from nothing. Okay. The him knowing how to bake is the part that I call bullshit on. I, I mean, we do need the scene of like him helping her, you know, that's always... In a movie. Yeah, it's like ghost with the ceramics, but yes. it's a life. Don't abuse the dough. Just gently fold it into its... Oh, yeah. <laughs> I both, like, love romantic stuff and also just... Uh, it's too much. It's, it's very silly. It turns out that Claire and her friend who is... I, I'm sorry, what is his name? Is his name David? I keep just calling David. him the poor yeah. guy. <laughs> David. <laughs> So Claire and her friend, who is one of David's kids, uh, are missing. Cole manages to find them using his tracking skills. It's like they've wandered into a national forest, just randomly. Yeah, it's so odd. Yeah. He helps her get across this, like, ice that she's across. And then they have a whole thing where he's like, but this still is not my true quest. Yeah. And Brooke's like, are you sure? Can you leave? (laughs) This is that also when you have the first of his especially kind of questionable conversation. So he's talking to the cop who then basically both of them come to the conclusion that knights and cops are the same oh boy. In, a ver- in a way that very much idealizes both, which in 2019 America is a choice, especially given choice. that I believe it is in that Ohio is one of these states in which cops have famously murdered black people for no reason. Yeah, it's a it's a political choice that made me stop the first time I'm watching this and being like, did I just get tricked into some like very red propaganda here? Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, the night cop equivalency... If it's true, it's not true in the way that they're that they're saying it's true. No, no, not the way that they <laughs> want it to be true. Yeah, it's very much both like knights are the like idealized protectors of the, you know, the unfortunate and back in the day and the cops are the ones who do this now, etc. I-, I guess is it Christmas Eve now? No, we still. OK, so this is. <laughs> do we still have another day? <laughs> well, so same night that you okay. know, Claire has been saved. They're at her Claire in her mom's house and this is a strange man walks in that just had me going yes. oh is Brooke married or oh, just Brooke like is there a new boyfriend 
or like an older brother and it's right. no it's her brother-in-law that nobody has mentioned once yes never in this movie does madison ever refer to my husband does claire ever refer to her father like i was genuinely like oh cool like her sister's a single mom that's a fun choice yeah, yeah. <laughs> single mom owns this great boutique yeah like all right good for her i guess you got this house in the divorce like yeah there you go <laughs> But no, Pete comes back. I guess he was just on a business trip and everyone forgot he was gone. Apparently he's a lawyer. There's something about a case. But he also, so he's walked in. His daughter has nearly fallen in ice. Yeah. And he's like, I got off the plane. I had all these text messages. Didn't read them. Didn't listen to the voicemails. <laughs> right. Like, because he's just like, I had all these messages. Oh, hey, can you take your sister's gift? I'm going to go. And and Brooke's just like, yeah, you should go figure out what happened today, my dude. Like, yeah, upstairs, like- go talk. How does a parent not, like, I would freak out if I got that many voicemails. Yeah. Like, how do you, especially as a parent, not be like, oh, God, what's wrong? I mean, at the very least, the time that your plane lands and you get service to the time that you get to the gate is usually about a five-minute gap, if not longer. What else are you going to do other than listen to those voicemails and read those text messages and just be like, hey, have landed, checking in now? No indication that he has any idea his daughter nearly died. Right. It's bizarre. But I guess that's why nobody cared that he was gone for the first three quarters of this movie. Yep. He's just an absent father. They go back to the Christmas village because, of course, they do. And we get the exchange that drove me insane where he talks about how romance in the future is much more complicated than in days of yore. And she goes, I prefer yours. You know why? Because you had arranged marriages. Yeah, it was a business transaction. It wasn't romance. It was to yeah. better the land. And that to the extent that there's romance, the romance is like your like performative unrequited love for your lord's wife. Yeah. <laughs> you were, yeah, I just, it's so much more complex. Not to mention, of course, the bit about how like, you know, I think I've talked about this on a previous episode, but it's also like, okay, we need to not idealize medieval romance when there is a medieval manual on courtly love that basically says, if you're a knight and you have the misfortune to fall in love with a peasant woman, you should rape her so you're not, like, worrying about it anymore. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, so this is a problem. Some kid who is, I guess, one of Brooke's students. So I thought maybe <laughs> it was, like, the guy that dumped the girl in the beginning, but it's not. No, I don't think like, so. They named him. His name's Marshall. I think the guy that dumped her is named Garrett or something. And I was like, the fuck's the point? Yeah. The way she says the name, I just was like, okay, cool. So we're just proving that the girl from the beginnings, ex-boyfriend is a total D-bag. And that's fine. It's not the same guy. It's just some different guy. He was also, you know, he's also an asshole, I guess. That's just like all of the boys in the school are terrible. It's fine. Don't date any of them. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. She shouldn't. She really shouldn't. He just, like, tries to rob this, you know, another, like, older woman. Because there's, like, a lot of older women just wandering around this town. Yeah. And Cole gets her purse back for her and uh, threatens to, like, cut his hands off. And they all convince him not to do that. And despite that, or maybe because of that, the police officer, Officer Stevenson, starts talking to him about how he should take the, like, exam to become a cop. I mean, it'll be good to find out that, like, he doesn't have a social security number or a passport or, like, yes, any proof of birth. Yes. And not to mention that if he's going to pass the psych eval, he will have yeah. to lie because he still 
thinks because he in fact is a 14th century knight and if you say that on the psyche val you're not going through but yeah but also like they're not going to like i'm not sure he can ever get a job he certainly can't get a job for which you need background checks they do uh at the very end the the line of like what he's gonna do in 2019 he's like maybe i'll become a cop or open a bakery and i was like let's go with the bakery route (laughs) she can take the loan out for you and you don't have to show any papers ever yeah that's really probably the best option is that she will basically open a bakery and yeah he will in practice be the one who works in the bakery exactly yeah now a new day now a new day sister comes over and gives them hot chocolate in a glass decanter which no one has ever done in world history <laughs> <laughs> It'd be one thing if it was, yeah, well, like, if it was boozy, that'd be one thing. You could make really good boozy hot chocolate. Yeah. But he's not been drinking it boozy. It's a Netflix. It's meant for family fun. This is not what this is. But this is a boozy glass jar. Yeah. What? Also, hot chocolate isn't good reheated. I don't think. No. No, I would not want to re, I would not want to have reheated hot chocolate. So yeah, so either it's cold hot chocolate that you're supposed to heat up, or is it like, or is like the decanter hot and they're all supposed to hurry up and drink it, in which case, how are her hands not burnt? It's, this is just not big. It's also massive. Yes, it's so much hot chocolate. Although considering that he wanted to buy like 14 containers of hot chocolate at the grocery store, I guess that part makes sense. I guess. Okay, so now it is Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. They dress up. She, uh, He gets more fancy free clothing. He gets a suit. I Like, the suit was the first point that I was like, okay, maybe, like, he's just borrowing these because he doesn't need a full suit. Right. Also, I he brings so. his armor with him to this party. So he's wearing the suit for, like, ten minutes. Yeah, it's yeah whatever she's wearing this like very fancy red lace dress which is also like very form-fitting in a way that would not be considered appropriate in a medieval context yeah i do appreciate i I, like really like the dress oh yeah it's a good dress it's like definitely one of vanessa hudgens better clothing items yes yes uh she describes him as my knight in shining cashmere wool blend which made my eyes roll out of my head and now Uh, they're gone so that's just my life now yep and gives him an orange and a half penny, which is described as a traditional gift. A thing that, by the way, I cannot find for the life of me where this even, where they even could have gotten this from. I think it's more Victorian, if okay. I remember correctly. And I couldn't tell you where I've gotten this. At some point, maybe I'll be able to. But like, I feel like oranges as gifts were very Victorian up to, it may also be just American, Because, like, I know Little Women, the orange is a big deal. But I also feel like there's a couple other Victorian literature, Victorian England lit books that I've read where, like, oranges are a big deal. Yeah. And a sign of status or something. Right. They, like, introduce this, like, oh, yes, an orange and a half penny is a traditional gift. And she gives him an orange and, I guess, not a half penny. She gives him, like, I don't know, a quarter or something. A half dollar, yeah. Yes. (laughs) Because we Uh don't use half pennies. Right. And this is on the first of, like, 12 moments where they almost kiss and then don't kiss. Yeah. So we're going to go with that for a while. So they're at the Christmas feast, which, as you mentioned before, also seems to be approximately 10 people. Yeah. There was this bit earlier where there is this woman who is complaining about her husband's back. And it turns out that the weird ointment Cole suggested of, like, Ox's gallbladder or something has fixed his 
back problem, which, okay. Things you can find normally. Yep. They end up then as the, like, climax thing of this Christmas feast. They give a bunch of gifts to the poor family. They tell the kids that Santa uh, delivered the presents to the wrong place. Yes. And then they give them here instead of their home. The dad a bunch of money. And it's just like, you could have done this better. It's so performative and public in a way that feels very condescending. And I could see feeling very embarrassing for this guy. Yeah, like, I appreciate that he takes the money, but also I can completely, like, I just felt bad for him the whole time. Obviously, I, you know, obviously has to be grateful and obviously it's great for the kids, etc. But, like, it's just this, like, insistence on we have to do charity in a way that everybody knows that we're doing charity. Yes. And that makes, like, us being able to feel good about ourselves. Yeah. Like, if they'd done this essentially privately and, like, or just, like, and, like, given and, like, told him, like, we're doing this, we're going to, like, quietly deliver the gifts to your house tonight. Just tell the kids they came from Santa. Or just slip out, have someone slip out while this party is going on that he's part of, that his kids are at. You know, it's a small town. They probably all can get into each other's houses easily. Right. Deliver the presents, you know, something, anything. Yeah. That wasn't... These kids are now going to have to walk out with all these gifts. Right. And that it kind of makes it seem like then everybody in the like, like everybody in the town is like, oh, yes, your bike that you got is charity from the rest of us. Yeah. And like, I appreciate, again, if there was more of a backstory as to why he was having money troubles. Yeah. But some kind of like, here's a job or, I mean, he has jobs, but like something, because all this is setting up is there's like four kids. I think all of them still believe in Santa and yeah. what's going to happen next year when Santa's not as awesome. Right. That like, they're, are they going to do this every year? Yeah. Yeah. Like, Oh, I guess you were, t- I guess you were bad this year. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's a weird vibe. Charity should not be performative. It's also definitely an interesting moment, especially at this party that it very much emphasized, like it's a very diverse cast, which I think is fantastic. But it is also a little bit weird in the way that it's like, okay, this like small town in Ohio, and we are just going to pretend that there's like zero racial tensions. Yeah. And it's just like very happily multicultural, which like, obviously, I get why they do it. It's like a feel good Christmas movie. But yeah, I mean, I appreciate it because I love seeing older biracial couples in movies and nobody making a thing out about it. It's just one of my favorite things. I also feel like Netflix especially more than Hallmark and Lifetime, does try to add some diversity. Yeah. That isn't, I mean, this one still is, I don't know. It is still like the side characters are more diverse. Right. Uh, the but sister it, actually is Middle Eastern in background. Okay. But it feels less like token best friend. Right. Than, than most of these movies end up feeling. Yeah. The random redhead is at the party and goes in a heartbeat from trying to manipulate Cole into kissing her under the mistletoe to saying, oh, no, you're in love. Like, you should use this for somebody who it really met, like, means something with. And, you know, here's the mistletoe. And so it's just this moment, like, why does this character that has zero backstory that we know nothing about have a redemptive arc? Because my guess is she is the lead heroine of the sequel. Yeah, I think she's going to get together with Cole's brother. Yeah. Clearly. Cole and Brooke finally kiss under the mistletoe, and the medallion starts to glow. So, surprise! I get to go back into the past. So, like, if she had been down, you know, the first night, would he have... I I don't get it. I just don't get it. Then it wouldn't have been true love. 
That's fine. I mean, sure. Your first, your one night stand or your, you know, have sex on the first date can be true love, but yeah. It's now it's been one week. So it's clearly true love. Oh, that's, that's fair. <laughs> seven days. That's all you need. It's actually not even seven days. It's like five. Yeah. It's at some point you're going to realize that when Christmas is over and it's January and he is from the past and it's like mooching off of you completely. <laughs> Cause he can't earn money. Cause he has no social security number. And is in love with Netflix and baking bread. Career opportunities. Yes. Oh, boy. So he disappears into thin air, which you would think would really solidify her in time travel. And instead, she's initially just, like, super confused. <laughs> it's like, Cole? Cole? You under here? But I guess she kind of figures it out. Yeah, because she just goes home and the same night eats leftovers? <laughs> yes. As you do. She runs into the girl from the beginning, her student. And her student's all like, he wanted to get back together with me. And I was like, no, I'm going to focus on my goals. And then Brooke is like, I was wrong. And I'm like, oh, you've got to be fucking kidding me. It's a weird message because she's like, I was wrong. And true love is a thing, but you should still focus on your goals first, but also true love is a thing. And you'll know it when you know it. And this is the kind of things that have completely ruined, like, I could have such a long tangent about, like, true love and, like, understanding romance and bullshit and how, like, it just has completely screwed up so much of culture. And also don't do this. Just be like, cool. Focus on your schoolwork. Yeah. And have a good holiday. Yeah, she does not need to essentially, like, give her this speech that is entirely about her and the fact that she, you know, found this hot guy that she liked and then he disappeared into thin air. Yeah. It's awful and really feels like it undermines, I mean, the whole movie is then ultimately about undermining this message of, like, honestly, maybe, like, don't prioritize, like, I don't know, that, like, it seems like the whole message is, like, insisting, like, yes, actually, like, romance should be your top priority, which is there should be balance that should be the message yes and like that's something that's like told to women in particular to the fact that she's telling this young woman to re to like reprioritize that as long as she quote knows it's true love which like she's 16 she's gonna have like hope like plenty of relationships that she'll think are always true love love. Yeah. yeah hormones are going to drive you insane. Don't tell a teenage girl this. Just don't. Like, if she was 30, it would be fine to yes. tell her, like, you don't need to be cynical. Maybe, yeah. you know, whatever. But at that age, it's like, no, actually, yeah, just stick with your goals. That's great. Do yeah, not get back great. together with this asshole. Yeah, it's He's fine. Like, you're going to date people. You're going to make bad decisions. That is a part of life. And it's healthy. Yeah. Just have things that you're shooting for. Yeah, have balance. And don't get married at 18. Right. She goes home. She eats what? She eats one of the cakes and she gets the bean, which is what the Yuletide bean bread is. That if you find the bean, it's good luck, and you get to like wish on the beans. She wishes on the bean that Cole would come back, and also finds okay the ornament that her parents brought back now says like with love always, Sir Cole. Yeah. How? Is it magic? Did he get it custom made for her in two days? He probably whittled whittled it himself? I don't know. Which is actually kind of a shitty thing to do with one of the things that she's like, this is one of my like five mementos of my dead parents. Yeah. I I, I don't know. I don't know. know. Yeah. She finds this great. Cole returns to his own time. 
his horse, Sherwin. Sherwin immediately recognizes him and runs to him and is like, Cole, I love you. And his brother is standing over there and he's like, takes like 10 fucking minutes. And he's like, Cole, is that you? <laughs> you looking for you. I, I do appreciate that, like, the relationship between this guy and his horse is that pure and important. Because I feel like, given the fact that they don't drive, like, they're on these horses all the time, like, yeah, that probably actually is a very real relationship. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a reason that there are very, a lot of very prominent horses in medieval literature. So, yeah, like, Sherwin, you can recognize him first. The fact that his yeah. brother's, like... I had a brother, didn't I? (laughs) Right. You went missing, didn't you? (laughs) And it's like, wait, was he gone five years? Like, no, he was gone like six days. Yeah. It's like, you've just been kind of lost in the woods. I I would have been more surprised if it was like, oh, yeah. Did you have to walk that whole time? You okay? We we looked for you for like an hour. And then we were like, well, guess he's dead. Yeah. I was going to marry Matilda. Like. (laughs) So then he's like you know, is like musing with his brother and is like, and realizes that his quest all along was to go and fall in love. And that really, he actually needs to go back to her. And then he just like takes off again. And he's talking to his brother and he's like, I'm going to miss your knighting ceremony. I feel so bad. bad. And his brother's like, it's fine. What you're doing is more important. Why isn't he telling his brother, like, by the way, I'm never going to see you again. Yeah. It's not like a, Hey, by the way, I traveled in time. And I'm going to go back to 2019, where you have been dead for 650 years. Also, can you imagine 2019, my dude? Right. It is 1334. I have no idea what year it is. But it's like 2019. <laughs> yeah. They have this thing called Netflix. It is amazing. Oh. Oh. <laughs> All these merry people running around in like this tiny little box. I want also, that. And also the girl. He breathed like took that 2019 air, air and breathed it on his brother and thus that started the plague the new plague <laughs> it's like something ten, like 10 years before the black death i mean like i honestly would have appreciated if it was like and this is how we got the black death <laughs> right yeah which would have been great it's 14 years too early unfortunately for it to make sense oh, but damn we go back to 2019 where we learned that i guess christmas magic is real because Claire got a puppy. Yeah, like, <laughs> fine. And okay, so there's this puppy that neither of the parents want the puppy. And like, Christmas magic, this was a bad idea. Like, you should not get children puppies without their parents being on board with puppy. There's probably a really good reason why they haven't gotten the dog. Time management. Right. I mean, the husband, I don't know, as far as I can tell, spends most of his life going yeah. off on business trips. Running a boutique is probably a pretty intense work day. So they have like a pretty big work schedule. The like, what, 11 year old is not going to be the one no. actually responsible for taking no. care of the dog. Like these people like probably very genuinely do not have time to train and care for yeah, a puppy. Like, I'm sorry, kid, but sometimes that's just how it is. Also, that's kind of shitty to waste the Christmas magic on a child that is fairly well off. Has gets pretty much everything that right. she wants on this dog rather than the family who can't afford gloves for their kids. But okay. Well, the Christmas magic also accorded, gave, granted her second wish of giving her aunt a boyfriend. Fine. <laughs> Fine. So. <laughs> 
So, yes, because Cole, back in his own time, runs off to find the crone, explains that he's learned that love is the first and foremost of all knightly virtues. Sure. Completely has transformed from being a perfectly nice guy who happened to not be in love at that given moment to being in love. So now yeah, he's a true I guess knight. Cool. I, there's no character development there. No. So he goes back forward in time. And this time he gets Thank to bring God. his horse. Yay. I did Hi, feel Sherwin. Bad for Sherwin. Not his brother. No. His brother, he's never his gonna brother's going to be again. fine. I mean, they probably would have become knights of different <laughs> but the horse. areas. I don't know. You know, he hasn't seen his yeah. parents in yeah. a long time either. Yeah. Yeah. He's fine. It is what it is. Families aren't important. I don't know. Right. It's like this, like, very much like, okay, so what we've learned from this movie is that your relationships with your family do not matter at all. And the only thing that matters and that you have to prioritize above all else is a romantic relationship with a person you have known for a week, for which you should essentially quit your job. Travel. (laughs) Yes, move to the furthest away spot in both time and space that you could possibly comprehend. And also become entirely dependent on said person. Yes. And never see your family. But at least you get your horse. Thank God for the horse. He and Brooke have a slightly awkward kiss while he's in full armor. And yeah, and this is when she like, she's like, so what are you going to do? And he's like, maybe I'll, I'll join this order of present day knights. And it's like, oh I did gosh. groan very loudly the maybe first time stop. and missed that the second time he says, or open a bakery. And I do appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. The, maybe maybe the, bakery. the bakery. She's wearing an outfit, by the way, which was very nice until it panned out to reveal her pants, which are like green I candy stripes. I want these pants so much. <laughs> They're so perfect. I'd have a red sparkly scarf that I would wear and I'd just be like, this is my December outfit. <laughs> it's very it holiday. Is. It's, it is. It's, it's Christmas. We don't know where they're going to put the horse, but I guess they'll figure that out. She's apparently very rich for some reason. I'm sure she has a stable at her manor. Yep. And then back in 1334, the crone shows up after Jeffrey, Cole's brother, has been newly knighted mm-hmm. and gives him his own fancy medallion. So I guess there's going to be a sequel and yeah. maybe he'll make Redhead, I don't know, not be a slut anymore. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Like, I, I mean, I just don't get the, like, I guess the implication is once you become a knight, you have to have a quest to become a full knight or something. I don't, I just don't get what the implication is here. That seems to be the claim that they're making. Yeah. It's not a thing. No, it's not. Which leads into the next section, Vera at Falso, where I'll talk about what this movie got right and wrong about the medieval world. Excited to hear this. I'm going to start with some things that actually they got right. So first of all, I actually do appreciate that he takes a bath because medieval people did bathe not as much as modern people, but more than we think they did. Okay. And so it probably was at least that like he would probably bathe once or twice a week at least. Okay. Which, you know, not as often as we bathe now, but it's not like they bathe like once a year. Yeah. Yeah. Which is the perception that people often have. So I appreciate that he kind of shows up and he's like, I kind of want to take a bath. Skunks are an animal from the Western Hemisphere. And it does therefore make sense that he would not have recognized a skunk and been concerned about what a skunk might do to you if you're going after it with a sword. Did you already know this about skunks or did you Google No, I looked it up. Okay, cool. I looked it up. Yeah, I was curious as to whether he would have known what a skunk was or not. And I looked it up and they in fact are Western Hemisphere animals. So he would have not seen a skunk before. I think his experience of Alexa really works. It could have been more witchcrafty, but yes, like the fact that he's like, mm, I don't like this. So, uh, you know, the Middle Ages 
people, yeah, people weren't actually quite as into like witchcraft in particular as uh, we think they were. Like witchcraft is more, slightly more of an early modern th- uh, phenomenon. Okay. Yeah. I guess just more of like. An evil spirit. Yes. Yeah. Is I think what would have made sense that there would have been this emphasis on like, is this some kind of like malevolent demon? And the the banishment is great. <laughs> yeah. I think they could have done more with it if they acknowledge religion. Yeah. Which we'll get to. <laughs> but for what they were doing, that kind of worked. They mentioned that he was sent away as a squire and hasn't seen his parents in years. That actually tracks. Like, that would have been pretty common that he would have been sent away as a squire and very possibly might not have seen his parents. It does seem a little unlikely they wouldn't have showed up for his mating ceremony if they're alive. Okay. That seems like it would have been a special occasion that they might have tried to come for, for his and then again for his brothers. That makes sense. But it does make sense that he would have, like, it's normal that you would have had as a medieval person potentially gone very long periods without seeing your parents as a squire or other kinds of apprenticeship-like positions. Parents aren't important. That's not true. (laughs) It works that he has tracking skills, that this is something that, you know, you would have, like, learned as part of your skills as, you know, somebody in training to become a knight. That works. There's a couple things that are, they're not wrong, but they kind of leave out a lot. Okay. One of those is, so he refers to the fact that he was knighted by Edward III, which makes sense more or less based on the date. It's 1334. He said he was knighted six years before. And uh, so that would have been 1328. And Edward III became king in 1327. Okay. However, it is, I think, worth noting that it doesn't really quite get into anything about who the figure of Edward III actually was, and in particular, the fact that in 1328, he would have been, first of all, probably younger than Cole, and also that the court would have been awash with rumors about the fact that Edward III was at that moment sharing power with his mother and his mother's lover, and somewhere between the three of them, somebody had definitely ordered his father, (laughs) Edward II, the previous king, murdered. Okay. (laughs) So we're going to skip that, and we're also going to skip the fact that between Cole's knighting and 1334 what he would have actually been doing was fighting in a series of wars with Scotland and with the French. Okay. And so it's again like this knighthood is about basically courtesy and not at all about military prowess or violence. Yeah, like the fact that there's no mention at all of any kind of war. Yeah, and so he very clearly, like he has fought in wars. He has killed people. Like he was a soldier. Again, he's very clean and polished for someone who would be a soldier of six years. Yeah. And very polite. I mean, there's this whole, like, courtly love tradition, and there's obviously knights, like, switch between behavior that they have, like, on the battlefield or with, like, just their male comrades versus in court. But they're also much, like, rougher around the edges than Cole is depicted as being, which makes sense. The other thing that I think they kind of did for the good line, but that they very much oversimplified, is the Tower of London because so he sees it and he kind of remarks ah what an extraordinarily large number of prisoners and he would have been very much aware that the tower of london in his own time did not function exclusively as a prison but also is actually a functioning royal palace okay so at least occasionally all of the kings would be in residence there there are towers that his king's grandfather edward the first specifically built to be part of essentially a royal palace complex within the tower of london So, yeah, so tourism would have already been a thing. Or at least, like, there would have been a lot of people going to the Tower of London for reasons other than being a prisoner. That, like, it would have been, like, the king and the king's huge household and the king's guests. Okay. So maybe not, like, tourists going to see the grounds, per se. 
but that there certainly would have been a lot of people who had a lot of other reasons to be there. That makes sense. Then there's some stuff that (laughs) it did not do very well. It tried. First of all, medieval names. There are like 10 names per religion per gender, basically. Yeah. Cole is not one of them. No. At all. I think it's German, isn't it? I guess. But it's also just, it's not a thing. Like, I mean, like, it's like, is named Cole in the I feel the like it's a century. vegetable. Yeah, it's not like a name. Right. I don't know when Cole started being a name. I didn't check. But the answer is not the 14th century. Yeah, no. This is the height of, uh, if they were being accurate, there would have been like seven dudes named Henry. Yeah. Like, Henry, James, Edward. Richard, Charles. Yeah. Any kind of just old name. (laughs) Biblical names almost. But not even biblical because it's not like, you know, Samuels or Adams or anything like that. It's just, I don't know. It's like it's like the saints' names. Yeah. Uh, Francis is a is increasingly a popular one around this period uh, after Saint because of Saint Francis. What about like so their middle names were Alexander Edward, which we said Edward. So I guess Alexander. Alexander is like maybe not unheard of, but a little weird. Okay. Christopher Frederick. Frederick in Germany, yes. In England, I don't feel like I've come across it as often. Okay. But it would have been a German name yeah. of the period. Okay. Christopher would work. Yeah, because they're Jeffrey Alexander Edward and Cole Christopher Frederick. Yeah. I, Cole could Jeffrey, been... his brother's name, is a solid one. Yeah. That one works. That's the only one that, that really, really, really works. Yeah. Spalding. God. They tried. They did not try. <laughs> I don't know where they got these names. And especially it is frustrating because if they'd done a very small amount of research... I haven't actually looked into this, and I don't do medieval England, but it's not hard to find just lists of names, basically, from the medieval period. And I bet they could specifically find a list of names of 14th century knights, that if they're going to just have a list of names, they actually could have Yeah, like, I, so. I also would have been a great scene of them just, like, Googling knights of, you know, this time period and being like, oh, look, yeah. Sir Cole. But... Right. <laughs> and then it's also... He also doesn't find any other people's names weird either, which because his name is so ridiculous, it makes sense. <laughs> but it's also like Brooke and Madison. Like, I feel like if a medieval person met two people named Brooke and Madison, he'd be like, what? Yeah. Like the river? Yeah. Like like the water? Like Your not parents were not very original. <laughs> or like, yeah. you know, weren't they... And maybe this is the wrong time period, but it's usually like, weren't you named for someone? You'd often be named after, I mean, sometimes your own parent, uh, fathers often would name their firstborn yeah. sons after themselves. So you often might be named after a parent or a grandparent. But it also is just even like, there just aren't that many names. I have actual families in my documents from Catalonia, where there's a couple who happen to be named Francesc and Francesca. So to the Catalan, like, for, like, male and female versions of Francis. Yeah. And then they have a daughter who they name Francesca, who then marries a man named Francesc. And it's like, what is wrong with these people? <laughs> it's like a hundred How do they do anything of family solitude. Either? Yeah. Where everybody's but, got the same But that name. is what things are like. Yeah. There just aren't that many names. And so, yes, Cole is, Cole is a no. I, I mean, like, a nickname would have been better if his name right. had been Christopher Frederick or some bullshit. And then it's like, but we call him Cole because... Right. I don't know why they would have called him He Cole, liked to but... play in the fire. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's 
like, okay, is it just, do they make that up because they wanted to like have the circle, like, cause I wanted it to sound like circle. I guess I, I like, I honestly, Maybe. is that, is, is there a significant of a circle in the story? No, but I guess. It's not really a circle. I mean, I guess it's like he goes backwards and forwards, but that's yeah. not really a circle. No. My mom's favorite theory that she came up with while we were watching the movie is that it was, is that the circle thing was going to matter and that she was going to end up getting together with his five million times great grandson who was going to look exactly like him. You know what would have been great is that if David had been that grandson and this had been some kind of right. plot to get her and David together. It was right. not. No. The refrigeration also did not entirely seem right to me since it's weird that that's the thing that he's most surprised by since while obviously refrigerators are to some extent modern technology they did know how to make rooms colder yeah like in the middle ages like you would have like if you were rich at least you could have like an underground cellar and you'd bring in some ice and uh, you would like leave the ice there and that would be a good way to it would be an additional way to help preserve food it wasn't the only way to preserve food but obviously it's you know lesser technology but you still would be able to in england go into a room in june that was underground and had some winter ice that was at least significantly cooler than it was outside yeah like it's the one thread of technology that runs through this entire like there's so many more things he could be confused about to be honest, I don't understand why he's not more confused about how warm it is inside without a visible fire. That is a good question. Since it's winter. Yeah. <laughs> that... So they just make such weird choices about what he's yeah. confused by. Handshakes also, the claim that it's to prove you're, uh, you're not holding a weapon is a very common claim. And it's the kind of thing that I'm sure they found on Wikipedia. I've never heard this before this movie. I didn't realize it was even, like, a cliche thing. Yeah, I've heard it before. It's a kind of, like, I don't know, like, folk etymology is not the right word, but a, like, folk uh, explanation to some extent Mm. that I've definitely, I have heard before. It's, there's no actual evidence for it, and it seems to have been just a gesture of goodwill. To some extent, part of that is the ritual display of the fact that you're not carrying weapons. Yeah. But that's not quite the same as the, like, practical att- attribution that they give it. That, like, you have to, like, make sure you're not, like, hiding a weapon under your sleeve or something like that. Gotcha. Also, really calling bullshit on this dude <laughs> knowing how to bake. Yeah. <sighs> on top of that, that the bread would be that good. Right. I mean, I guess I at least, like, okay, like, actual, like, baked bread... It probably fine. is better. Yeah, but wheat has changed so much since, yeah. you know, a hundred years ago. But yeah, no, the fact that he would understand the concept of flour and I don't know. It's just... Yeah, I mean, so they're obviously like we're bakers, but I just... It's not something that, like, serving in the kitchens like that and working with a baker would not have been part of a squire's duties because your duties are, like, essentially you're supposed to, like, help out and train a knight. Yeah. So, like, he would be mucking out stables. He might have learned some basic cooking, but it would be, like, how do I cook for myself and the knight I'm training with? How do I, like, cook on the road? Like, how do I, like, cook a rabbit on the road? Also, the baker was a woman that he learned under, which also... That actually potentially track well it, it tracks well, that 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 like women would have been professional bakers no, no, no that i can buy it just is okay. again a, an added layer of like respect for women that i wouldn't have under like would have expected from this time period 
part of that also is that it's very rare. It's not completely unheard of, but it's very rare that women would be put in positions of power and authority and training responsibilities over men in that way. So my research is not England, it's Catalonia, but I have a lot of apprenticeship contracts for women who practice a variety of trades. And almost always they're hiring girls rather than boys as apprentices. That makes sense. Yeah, and it's because you don't want the everyday power hierarchies to subvert gender hierarchies unless there's also like some big thing going on with class potentially then you know you can get around it but you don't want to be in that kind of situation that wasn't happening in england (laughs) yeah it does not make sense that they would have put him in this position where he's essentially working for a woman baker for this long period of time yeah for years it's it's implied for years yeah enough to like really have skills And again, it's just, it's not even part of a squire's duties in general, that it's not something that a knight would be expected to know. And so it's not something, it's not the kind of thing that you would have like had a squire do for you. Okay. You should be polishing armor. Yes. Taking care of the horses. Like those are things that squires do. Catching (laughs) rabbits. Yeah. Catching rabbits. Like the hunt it. Like he should have been better at hunting than he apparently was. Yes. Maybe again, not to try to make this movie better, but like, if he had been hesitant about being a knight and had secretly wanted to be a baker or something or felt like that right. was more his calling, would have been a better movie. Yeah. And and the baker thing also it would have made more sense if, I don't know, if he'd learned from his mother or if it had been like yeah. when he was a kid, he like did this in a kind of unofficial capacity. And like, that's always what he wished he could have been. But everyone's like, no. You had to be a knight. That, that I could have seen. But yeah, it's, it really doesn't make sense that he would want to give up his entire life, which he seemed very enthusiastic about. Being a knight, from what I understand, was like a goal. And it was something that you yeah. worked incredibly hard for. And you didn't walk away. Right. I mean, he easily could have been a squire for six to ten years. Then. Yeah. Then, of course, there are the lack of negative attitudes toward race and gender. Yeah. Again, walking away from being a knight for a woman. <laughs> yeah. That does not make any sense with the mindset of a medieval knight where, like, the culture is very much a masculinity, which is ultimately defined as, okay, there are kind of functions that women have, but it is ultimately a masculinity which is very much centered on a kind of sociability with other men. Mm-hmm. That he is now completely losing. She is now, I mean, she would be the main breadwinner for right and that <laughs> doesn't seem <laughs> that was not intentional but yes um but it, it just doesn't track with this mindset of a culture that you know was probably women birthed kids and helped around the house and that's it and it's never a mindset of like i will take care of you or like i'm going to stay in 2019 to provide or you know, give you that missing child that you need in your life to make your life complete. It's weird. And, you know, there are situations in which medieval women could have power, but it would have been as essentially a kind of woman without a husband who, you know, ends up kind of taking on lordly functions as a widow or as his father's heir or as her father's heir. And that's also not the position that she would be in. Yeah. I guess she is her father's heir. But she's got an older sister, so, like, theoretically. True. But... He is very acquiescent to this idea that, like, sure, women could be knights. I mean, just the fact that he has no, not a trace, really, of misogyny. 
not a trace of casual racism. And of course, the thing that is, you know, not that there are Jews in this movie, but the lack of anti-Semitism is particularly jarring, especially thinking about Norwich, where he's from, is actually the birthplace of the blood libel. Oh, okay. The uh, the first accusation that Jews ritually murdered Christian children was in Norwich in 1144. It's an... Do you think they knew this? I doubt it. (laughs) I very much doubt that they knew that. Because, like, the Blue Lives Matter vibe from this, knowing that, I don't know. It's a weird political line. Yeah, so... I don't know what's going on here. Yeah. The next constellation of things I wanted to discuss, most of which are wrong, (laughs) I'm going to lead into the next section, which is Historia at Veritas, where I talk about a real uh, person or event or phenomenon. Because for this, I'm going to talk about real medieval Christmas traditions that could have been in this film in lieu of the ones that were, (laughs) which are not real medieval Christmas traditions. First of all, Cole talks about his fond memories of having presents under the de- under a decorated Christmas tree. No. Not a thing. Not a thing till at least the 17th century. Yeah. Like, at best, they would have had a holly wreath, I think. Yeah, like they would have had tree-adjacent objects that they would have used yeah. as decor. But not... But they wouldn't have had, like, a big tree that you chopped down and then you decorated it. There's no purpose for it. Right. And... I don't know much about medieval times, but I do know that, like, for the most part, culture was not wasteful until, you know, mass industry, like the, you know, 1900s. So people were actually very aware of trees as a natural resource. They very much protected the forests actually belonged to the king. Yeah. Cutting down tons of trees would have been a big deal. Yeah, like... It would have been extremely expensive, for one thing. Like, bare minimum. And it's it would have been extremely no expensive. He is also deeply unsurprised by the figure of Santa Claus and his apparent importance in Christmas, despite the fact that the idea of Santa Claus as a, you know, gift-bringing figure, uh, you know, all the traditional Santa Claus stuff, that's all 19th century. He does call him Father Christmas, though. Come on now. <laughs> True. I do just want to note, however, that the medieval St. Nicholas was indeed associated with children, but it was because, according to legend, he miraculously resurrected three children whom a butcher had slaughtered and was in the process of curing in order to sell them as ham. Oh my god. <laughs> this movie could have been so much better. <laughs> right? Like, it's not, like, exactly. Like, why isn't he, like, asking about that? Yes. You, the horror, the orange and a half penny thing you mentioned might have been Victorian. Yeah. I was, yeah, having a hard time with that. I also want to note, while they would have had oranges, they would have been bitter oranges, and they didn't have sweet oranges yet. Yeah, like, again, I cannot cite where I'm remembering this from, but I feel like toys were having, like, a resurgence in the Victorian time, like, and, and it was, but it was still a wealthy thing. Definitely would have been poor families that, like, fruit would have been a good gift for kids (laughs) yeah and it is also like okay oranges you know were potentially kind of like prestigious yeah maybe but it would have been a bitter orange which you would have used in cooking which makes it a very different sort of thing yeah like you don't want to sit down and eat a bitter orange oranges aren't native to england like (laughs) right yeah they would have been imported from uh from spain yeah the thing it does best on is actually the yuletide bean bread okay in that uh, there is a bread that uh, would have had a bean or some kind of, or like a coin or something hidden inside one kind of slice or loaf or something like that. It would have been more of a like fruit and nut based bread, but 
be that as it may, it was a bread that was linked with Christmas. Um, although traditionally it wouldn't have been eaten, eaten probably on Christmas Eve, it was connected more with the Feast of the Epiphany with when the, uh, the three magi or the three wise men like came and hung out with Jesus. <laughs> and then whoever found the bean in their slice would be named king or queen of the bean <laughs> for the day. I guess like of all things to put into a cake, a bean's going to cook and be soft. Like if you're not paying attention... <laughs> I guess maybe like if it's like a single dried bean, like maybe it just becomes more dry. I don't maybe, know. Maybe, maybe. I'm not going to try this. <laughs> uh, no, I'm probably not either. But but yeah, but this is actually a thing. And this is actually the ancestor of the New Orleans king cake. Okay. Is this like idea of like you have like a little thing that you hide in the cake and then somebody like finds that and it's, you know, symbolic. There's also the pickle in the tree, but I think that's... German and it also might be fake German and maybe American that it says it's German. Right. But it's also like you find the pickle in the tree and I think get an additional present. I don't know. Then there are some Christmas traditions that I think they should have included in this movie. First of all, the uh, the feasts, there would have been feasts and I feel like they should have had him being maybe like a little disappointed at the feast. <laughs> Since it's a pathetic feast. To give an example, yeah, of a fancy feast, we have administrative records which show what King John of England ordered for a Christmas feast in 1213, which included 24 hogshead of wine, 200 heads of pork, 1,000 hens, 500 pounds of wax, 50 pounds of pepper, 2 pounds of saffron, 100 pounds of almonds, as well as other spices, napkins, and linens. And he also sent an order to the Sheriff of Canterbury to supply 10,000 salt eels. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, it was a 12-day celebration, you know? I mean, yeah, it was. And I guess that's also a part of me sitting in the movie going is like, what is it about Christmas Eve as opposed to yeah. Christmas Day? Or I don't know. Or as opposed to like the 12 days after yeah. Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. And then finally, the Christmas tradition that I think he should have been pushing for everybody to do is the election of a boy bishop, which was very popular as a Christmas thing in England. They would have, they would like choose some kid and they'd dress him up in ecclesiastical vestments and then they'd have him celebrate a fake mass and preach a sermon and then do a procession. Amazing. Yeah. And this is actually something that uh, some relatively recent kings, Edward, uh, in from Cole's perspectives, uh, Edward the First and Edward the Second. Apparently, we have records of uh, boy bishops, you know, showing up and saying mass before uh, before medieval English kings. So he should have been like, where's where the boy bishop? Also, Boxing Day would have actually been a thing, right? Like, I yeah, don't know if it would have been it's, called it's, like, it's that, whole... but. No, Boxing I Day would have so. like actually existed. So right, I mean, and also it's that like in a lot of European traditions, like the date that's actually more important as a gift giving day is actually not Christmas; it's the Feast of the Epiphany because it's right. when the Magi gave gifts to Jesus. Right, which actually makes sense. Yeah, I just was thinking of like more of um from the standpoint of charity, like yeah, right. Any focus right. on Boxing Day would have been nice. Whereas now it's just all about like this Christmas Christmas specific yeah. charity. And then finally. Christmas, shockingly enough, is a religious holiday (laughs) on which you would, like, go to Mass. That would be one of the big things that you would do on Christmas. And so, again, like, the fact that he never is, like, like, talks about Jesus or the Virgin Mary or, like, a saint is just, it just doesn't make sense. Or even, like, so I am agnostic at best, and that's about how most of my 
uh, immediate family is. And like we still did um, Christmas Eve candlelight ceremony because it's something my mother, you know, loves to do. And so it's like, yeah, anything like that, any mention of going to some, nobody goes to like anything church wise. Right. And I'm fine that the people in Ohio don't go to church. The scene that I actually really wish we'd gotten is Cole being like, can we go to a church? Yeah. And at some point somebody being like, okay, I guess so. And then like taking him to some like evangelical church and then having like Cole, the 14th century, you know, essentially Catholic Christian being like, what the fuck is this? That would have been great. (laughs) (laughs) That's a scene that I wanted. (laughs) So speaking of scenes that we might have wanted in this movie... The next segment, Fabula Nostra, is where we come up with the different, perhaps better, movie that, uh, that we would have liked to make uh, in lieu of or inspired by this. So I'm going to have you go first because I went super weird and off the rails so with this. I just kind of like, again, I like these crappy Christmas movies. They're great. Um, there's a couple things that I would have just really appreciated to make this better. Um, as I said earlier, if her name... Her, Car's name had been Sherwin. I think that would have been a perfect way to make this circle. Any of the backstories, the Santa Christmas magic for the the poor family rather than the dog. But also, and here's going to be my weird one. I love the cloisters. There's an entire room of unicorn tapestries. I wanted unicorns in the 1300s. I want... Like, you cannot convince me that unicorns are not real and extinct. So, like, I just want some unicorns in the background. It would have caused everybody else in the world to be like, the fuck am I watching? But I would have been so happy. I would have been like, unicorns? Because it is one of my favorite rants. It's just that unicorns are an extinct animal. Because why do we have so many tapestries of them if they're not? (laughs) (laughs) So I just want... Well, but at least, like, they would have been, like... I mean, it's also weird because, like, he keeps spending all this time talking about dragons when, like, sure, they sure. kind of like dragons, like, they but the love. mythical creature that they actually were more into were unicorns. Yes. I mean, because they're kind of metaphorically Jesus, but, like, it's you know, my friend. Everything's metaphorically um, Jesus. Took her students to the cloisters, and I was like, there's a room full of unicorn tapestries. And she was just kind of like, hey, that's fun. And then she was like, there is a room full of unicorn tapestries guys they're so great they're so amazing and i just one in the background not like some big shiny thing just like it's a thing and then maybe he spends the movie being like where are unicorns why did they disappear what did you guys do to the unicorns <laughs> the crone should have had a unicorn yes perfect it would yeah. be great Crone definitely should have had a unicorn. Then he could, when he like, was calling all these old women crone, he could have been like, where are your, where'd your unicorn go? Or like, you know, they all have like a unicorn pen or like some stuffed animal. I don't know. Just like the theme of unicorns right. throughout this entire thing would have yeah. added a layer that would have made me so okay. happy. And it's very medieval. I mean, because there's, there's like two massive, like famous sets of unicorn tapestries. Yes. This is also the one in the Cluny in Paris. So I love them. They're so great. Also, if you ever yeah. get a chance to go to New York, anybody listening, Go visit the cloisters. It's totally worth it, at the very least, for the unicorn. <laughs> yes. Definitely one of my favorite places. Yes. Would you change the casting for this movie, or are you, you know, happy with it? I have a deep, special spot in my heart for Vanessa. I think that uh, okay. I, I love the High School Musical series. I think that she gets a weird rep for someone who is genuinely seems to be a good person and does mm-hmm. work really hard. So, and she produced this as well. So I am all for letting her do her thing. I would have appreciated 
a little I mean obviously always more diversity but yeah the like again there's like five or six redheads <laughs> just like there's so many redheads. you know any kind of just everybody outside of the immediate family is kind of bland yeah so that would have been great yeah but yeah no I, I'm fine Vanessa do your thing like if this ends up being you know fair enough I'm all for it <laughs> The sequel where they host where they host Jeffrey and he falls in love with the redhead yeah. neighbor. Like I sure the guy could have been more, but I found him entertaining when he was being a child, and so I'm okay with it. Right, <laughs> he was fine. Yeah. So I went really weird. Okay. I don't know if you've heard about this, but Hallmark had this whole thing where they were like, "We're gonna make Hanukkah movies this year," yep. and then they turned out to actually be like low key super offensive. Like, one of them is, like, this woman brings home an actor to pretend to be her boyfriend, but it turns out he's Jewish, and he's like, yeah. what is this Christmas that you speak of? Yeah. Which is, like... Are they not releasing them now? I'm okay if they're not doing it, because, like, try harder. I'm... But... I'm not sure yeah. what they're doing with them, but it's it's bad. So inspired by that, I would like Netflix to make a movie about a, medi- a medieval English Jewish man, not from 1334, because there aren't any then, because they were expelled in 1290. <laughs> So I guess from, say, 1234, who travels forward in time and then is super confused about why 2019 <laughs> Jews think that Hanukkah is a major holiday. Oh, I love that. Because, <laughs> like, it's really not in Jewish tradition. It's really pretty minor and yeah. then basically became important in America because of its proximity to Christmas and then became basically, like, Jewish Christmas. What makes me sad is I, I did know this. I found this out not too long ago. Like one of my friends converted when she got married and she mm-hmm. was explaining this to me. And this is like literally within like the last six years. And it makes me sad that that is not <laughs> more well known. <laughs> yeah. It's everyone assumes that basically, oh, like Hanukkah is just like the Jewish version of Christmas. But part of that is the assumption it's a major holiday, which it's really not. It's also not, but it's like, it's not biblical either. Right. It's a, you know, commemorating essentially a military victory from the second century BCE. Right. There's also a lot of ways in which Hanukkah is actually super questionable and is really about the victory of religious fanatics, but I'm not going to oh. get into that necessarily in this movie. <laughs> That's fine. Rugrats. Just watch uh, the Rugrats. <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll I'll make this like I'll make this like the heartwarming, you know, the heartwarming version of a Hanukkah movie where, you know, they learn about one another's traditions. Uh, maybe in keeping with this movie, I'll have him actually be like super chill about the introduction of egalitarian Judaism. Okay. <laughs> and he is definitely going to stay in 2019 since 13th century England is not an amazing place to be Jewish. No. So like that actually makes more sense yeah. than this person who is like kind of close to the top of the heap being like, yeah, I want to go and like, I don't know, just hang out and be supported by this random woman in 2019. I like this. And I am going to cast Daniel Radcliffe, who is actually uh, of Jewish background in part. And uh, as my time traveling Jew and <laughs> Rachel Bloom. I appreciate this quite a bit. Is Netflix doing any Jewish holiday movies? I guess not. I guess I would have seen that announcement by this point. I feel like. Yeah, I haven't seen an announcement at least. If anybody's going to, it'd be Netflix or Hulu over. I mean, Hallmark and, or, and Lifetime got to get it together, but yeah. that's a whole other story. <laughs> they, they did not do a great job. No. With what they decided to try to do. No. So, yeah, it would be nice if somebody in general did a better Hanukkah movie. Yeah. So, yeah, this is this is my suggestion. Netflix, take note of how you should actually do this. The fact that anybody created a movie where someone doesn't understand Christmas, like it's not the most commercialized 
thing. It would make way more sense in reverse. Yeah. Some Jew, like, hires somebody to, like, come to, like, his, like, family's Hanukkah party. And then it's like, oh, fuck, I hired, like, I thought she had dark hair. I thought she was Jewish. But it turns out she's a Christian. Yeah. And, like, she has no idea what, like, what Jews do for Hanukkah. Like, that would make way more sense. Yeah, it really would. Because I'm, I honestly, most people don't have a clue what goes on. Most Christian people. I would be all for this, any kind of movie that just wasn't (laughs) Judeo-Christian. Right. Yeah. There is a Hallmark movie. Yeah, and it's just like was such a weird choice. So yeah, so this is my suggestion for (laughs) a better version of a Hanukkah movie, and also has the added bonus of this time it definitely makes sense that this dude is going to be like, yeah, no, I'm staying in like 2019 New York, as opposed to going back to like being a Jew in 13th century England. Yep, I'm all for that. We can now move uh, forward to our rating for this movie in the section I call enumeratio, which is the closest I could find to the Latin for rating. Okay. (laughs) How would you rate this movie? And the criteria can be whatever you want it to be. So I am going to rate it as a Christmas rom-com. One of these, you know, whatever. I don't, there is a, there's gotta be a genre term for it, but I don't know it yet. And I'm going to give it a one out of five. And the reason I'm doing that, it's not one that I'm necessarily going to watch again. The only reason that I've watched this more than one time is so that I could talk about it and get a little bit more of the nuance. But like, for me, a five out of five would be The Spirit of Christmas, which also has a plot that makes not a ton of sense. It's about a ghost. (laughs) But it's about a 1920s ghost haunting this house. And again, not a ton of backstory, but at least there is more backstory. But in watchability, I just don't feel this one quite has it. And I honestly feel that way about most of Netflix's holiday movies. Is that on the scale of like, I would watch again. None of the Netflix really hit high on that for me. So yeah, I don't mean it in a mean way. And I think like, it'd be good to watch with a family, but I'm not going to watch this again. Yeah, I, I definitely as talking about it have uh, definitely kind of been increasingly inclined to be like less generous toward this movie. I'm going to give it a one out of a 1.5. The reason for this is because I just gave a 1.5 to El Cid, which is actually kind of fascist propaganda. Oh, nice. Okay. (laughs) And I don't think I can give this lower. That's quite fair. But I think that is the most it deserves is a 1.5. It's bad as a depiction of the Middle Ages. (laughs) It's this, on the one hand, I appreciate that it's not one of those movies, which is just like the Middle Ages. It was very violent back then. Yes. But this then goes to the opposite end of the spectrum of weirdly idealizing medieval knights, which is also not great and also wrong. Yeah. And then just like that combined with obviously the various details it got wrong, the complete absence of religion I always find very frustrating and then the like super questionable politics of this movie where it yeah. both idealizes like 2019 Ohio cops and medieval knights is not great. I think, yeah, if it definitely had left out the stuff about the cops, I would have been more inclined to be generous. Yeah. But it the correlation between cops and knights as both being good things is is not a good look. <laughs> no, it's it's very much like, 
I'm really curious as to who decided to like do the Blue Lives Matter plotline yeah. and why. It's weird. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. And are there places, I know that there are, where <laughs> the listeners could find you on the internet, perhaps about their podcast? Yes. So easiest place to find me is my blog, which is meggriffin.com. It is Meg with two Gs. Um, and from there, all of my podcast you can find which i uh host i co-host minds at york which is a bi-weekly animorphs book uh reread and a judging book covers which is a bi-weekly book club um where we have a book challenge where we list you know types of books we want to read for the year that get us out of our comfort zone basically and we by the time i don't know when this is coming out but i'm working on it tonight we're doing putting together our 2020 uh, book challenge, which we are oh. very excited. And this will be the Christmas episode. Okay, good. So yeah, um, <laughs> you'll be able to find on my blog and on I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Meg Griffin as well. You'll find our 2020 book challenge if you are also someone who feels like they kind of box themselves in when they read things. Meaning, I just like mm-hmm. if I don't challenge myself, I read a lot of YA. Of so yeah, and you just want something that'll help broaden your horizons a little bit. And then I have two defunct podcasts as well and uh, writing samples and book reviews and all that stuff all on my website. All right. Thank you so much. And yeah, all great podcasts. So everyone should go and listen thank you, to thank you. Meg's various podcasts. And if you have enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe in your preferred podcatcher app. We should be on all of them. And rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. I will read new five-star reviews in future episodes. And I have one here from Chrissy Fred. Love the show. Sarah is incredibly knowledgeable and provides historical context in a way that is charming and makes me want to hear more. Sarah has an easy rapport with every guest, regardless of their personality or take on the movie of the week. Check it out if you like history, medieval or fantasy movies, or a real smart lady being charming as hell, Aww. which is a very nice review. I feel kind of embarrassed reading something so nice about that myself. That is all true. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> Please also follow the podcast at Media Evil Pod and join our Facebook group. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Sarah If Decker. Or you can write me with questions and suggestions via email at media.evilpod at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to Media Evil. Bye. Bye.